wait, sorry. I just was checking in. I just popped up People Mag yeah. to like see if there was any Adam Levine news or whatever. Update. Franzia collaborates with Dog Brand to create a boxed wine Halloween costume for canines. Oh my God. This is genius. <laughs> How are Tomorrow you? night, Harry Styles' last show at Madison Square Garden, and you know I haven't gone to the whole time. The Harry's house haven't gone with Birdie. Birdie's been on their own journey, teen journey, teen journey. That's but good. Tomorrow but night, you're going. Well, we'll see. I don't know because now my ticket hookup connection. Because I'm like, guys, I'm not. You know, we, we're having. I'm having money. <laughs> I'm not paying the. I'm not paying the whatever they're asking for online at this moment in time. I can't. Right. I can't. So we'll see. So you're hoping to get a hookup? If it comes through, it comes through. If it doesn't, then I'm, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I guess I have to move to a different country or something. (laughs) Birdie will, Birdie will definitely disown me. Um, Well, Maybe not. Mm, I don't know. You've met Birdie. <laughs> Maybe just disown you for a while and then, like, you guys will get back together later. Could work out. Mm, mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> we'll see. We'll Sorry, I'm see. eating. I'm finishing my soup. Oh, what kind of soup are you having? Butternut squash. Wow. That's his the season. I was going to say, for some people, it's a pumpkin spice thing for some people butternut squash soup um not to brag but me and my partner matthew we make the best butternut squash soup that anyone's ever eaten oh wow well those are fighting words and (laughs) i didn't make this soup obviously because it came in my in my little cooler yeah (laughs) Yeah, sure. <laughs> For me to eat. Um, it is good. Emily Beebe and I, historically speaking, have made really good butternut squash soup. Okay. Beebe has the recipe. I don't, I can't remember what is <laughs> in it, but I do feel like it's like, historically speaking, I have liked that soup, but I'm open to all forms of butternut squash soup. I would, maybe this season at some point before the season's over maybe you and Matt come to New York together and stay in Casa Kismet maybe you make me butternut squash soup I don't know what's gonna happen (laughs) all I know is that I'm open I am a possibility and we've been working we've been working on and improving this recipe really for years like it's I think it feels like something that probably the Substack subscribers might like (laughs) just to kick off the season. Now, guys, I realize I haven't written anything in a while, but you know what? That's how you know you're a real blogger because 90% of blog entries are just apologies for not having written in a while. You know? (sighs) I've got, it's been a lot. You know what I mean? There's been a lot. I know it's been a lot. Maybe just, um, maybe don't even feel like you have to write anything right now. I'll handle the writing, but maybe just pop on there and say hi to some commenters. Mm, okay. That's easy. Little bites. Not a Well, I keep I keep having thoughts about it and then I'm like 
what's this shiny thing? <laughs> the time, <laughs> yes, and what's, the time you know, like whizzes I, by. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I was well, I mean, I'm traveling this weekend, so I won't have the kids because we're doing our big live show in Toronto. <laughs> Do people call it Toronto? Do people that- call it Toronto? I was instructed to call it Toronto. Like there's no second T. I hope that's Toronto. Right. Toronto. Toronto. I hope that um, that's correct and somebody wasn't just playing me because I've really trusted them on it. I don't know, but sometimes you know how people give me shit about Hawaii. Sometimes when you say it correctly, people are like, come on. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And everywhere in Massachusetts, people love to do like a joke Massachusetts pronunciation of like they're always like, it's, oh, you're from Boston. No one from Boston says Boston. That's ridiculous. No one from Worcester says whatever concoction of Worcester you're coming up with. But no one definitely says Boston. It's Boston. There's something that I say based on the way my dad says, Missouri. I say Missouri. And it is, that is the way you say it. Yeah. If you're from Missouri. Yeah. But I only say that because my dad is from, you know, Midwest vibes and that's how he always said it. So that was how my parents say it that way, especially my dad. Yeah. When I close my eyes and I think about it, I really think about Joe Phillips saying Missouri. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Um, but then sometimes people are like, you mean Missouri? And I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you do. mean misery? That's what you're putting me through right now. Okay. Correcting the way I say Missouri. Okay. There's a lot happening, Casey. There's so much happening. There's so much happening. But, yeah, we're going to be in Toronto or Toronto if you're from um, – on Saturday at the Bluma Appel Theater – uh, we're going to have um, surprises. Surprise guests. <laughs> um, Should be surprise us. Who guys. we've already said who they are. So that's exciting. Um, comedian Atsuko Akatsuka, uh, who I love. We busy and I um, were looking for someone that could come and be our guest and talk with us and have fun. And we agreed that it would be fun for both of us to, um, because there's a lot of people that are going to be in Toronto. Toronto. Um, I, I, I got I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something. I think we got to, you can't do that. It's Toronto, right? For I us. Mean, just because we're for, not professionals. Just, it just seems like we're trying too hard. <laughs> um, anyway, back to Atsuko. Uh, we thought it'd be fun to, for us, because there's going to be a lot of people in town that we both know, but we thought it'd be fun to talk to someone that we'd never talked to before and never really met, but are just fans of. So I'm really, really, yeah, really Both excited. of us yeah. are, this is a new person for both of us. Yes. Which I kind of love. I love it. And, um... She's just super funny, like, if you follow her on social media. And also, I'm going to try to not make too big of a deal about it or belabor the point, but her style is amazing. So You I'm really just, are obsessed with her style, I know. I am. It's such I like a, her style a lot, too. It's really, I mean, it, it speaks to both of us. It's really bright and colorful. It's unexpected. She mixes patterns and mixes colors in a way that is very pleasing to the eye. There are different shapes involved. She knows what she's doing. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> so anyway, very excited to um, to have her. Surprise! That's one of our surprise guests. And then uh, the other one's kind of pending. We'll see. 
There's a lot of drama, but we get, uh, <laughs> we'll just we'll talk about that later. We'll not talk about because it. not in like a not in like a a scandalous way. Not in a scandalous way. Like in like a it's just yeah. It's not we'll our story, not our story to tell, but not we'll yet tell anyway. It, we'll tell it will it. be, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, we hope if you're in uh, just anywhere in Canada that you come in to see the show. I know Canada is a big place, but it's possible to get tickets now, so that's exciting. Last week we talked about that there was a little, you know, a little confusion about where to get tickets, but um, the tickets are on our Instagram profile. Uh, in our bio, and uh, even though Instagram's really trying very hard not to let us tell anyone about the tickets, is what I've noticed. I just, like, fuck fuck it all. Fuck like, this algorithm. I think if you say anything, like, tickets or whatever, Instagram just, like, puts you at the bottom of, like, a garbage pail and no one can see the post. Casey, by the way, you were talking about that, about Jenny Mullen's thing and uh-huh. with me I think that it popped up so many times for you because of, of me oh I was telling busy that literally every time I open Instagram no Jenny, this was back back when I was doing the stuff with her yeah yeah back when I did the talk with her because I did every, the talk at the 90 second why oh by the way yeah they get it Every she, I kept <laughs> Jenny Mullen she would be like my one three pop. five and seven posts on Instagram right. but anyway listen uh, the 92nd Y, you know, yeah. here in New York, Satay, yes. she was like, we would love to do your podcast here. Great. Live. We can do that. Matt can come. We can make the soup. It's all coming together. I don't think we want to get into the business of, of selling soup at a podcast. No, I'm no. just saying we can make the soup while we're there. I'm not oh, going to make... Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you were going to pink sauce it and like... No, I'm never... No, we're not. No, you that pink that. sauce lady, I, I hope that she has learned an important lesson and I hope that we all have learned an important lesson. Which Namely, is that, like, let's just not buy buy food products over TikTok. Yeah. That's like the big... That's my biggest takeaway, maybe. Yeah. Like, don't purchase food yeah, products Yeah, because like, and not like... Not... Yeah, not anything, especially anything perishable, you know, or potentially perishable. Tesla, they're always calling me. <laughs> uh, um, why is Tesla calling you? Because your lease is up? Yeah. I guess I didn't get a free lease. <laughs> I guess I didn't get a free Tesla from asking Tos- May Musk. Tosca and, and Tosca. Who were mm-hmm. at the the fashion event that you were that at. I hosted? Yeah, um, it would have been nice if that had worked out. You know what I mean? Speaking of cars, what's happening? Just give us the fucking quick one. What's happening? <laughs> uh, Carvana picked up my car on Saturday, early Saturday morning, mm-hmm. and uh, they sent a beautiful shiny Carvana truck to pick it up. And um, I don't know if the person was told to do this or if. Uh, he chose to do it, but he was like, I'm supposed to ask you, do you have anything that you want to say? And I was like, I think I've said it all. I think it's handled. Um, and he Wait, but then, like to the car? I think to him about like how I felt about how it all went or whatever. And I was like, no, I think I said everything. And um, he was a really nice guy. And then he just was like, just so you know, like I got started working for this company because I'm a really satisfied customer. And, uh, you know, and like 
This he is just, too far. This is enough. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't need, you know what, dude? I don't need the hard sell on Carvana. They've already fucked, fucked my shit up. <laughs> I've already been not without, I've been without a car for months at a time. No one would respond to me until we took it to the interwebs. No, I'm, I'm glad he's a satisfied customer. He was Fine. a very nice person. And, I'm ha- for and him. that's what I said. I said, I'm very glad that it has worked out for you and thanks for your help. And, uh, and then supposedly, Supposedly, I mean, not supposedly, like I have every confidence in the world that they are FedExing me a check to reimburse me for paying for the car in full in the first place. And then I just have to find a new car, which, you know, is very easy these days. <laughs> I mean, I actually don't because I'm not. I don't know what I'm going to do. There's like a car shortage, you know. I know. So. I know. That's what they say. But I think it's like everything. Is there? We don't know. I don't know. Um, but I we'll, don't know. It's fine. I'm just saying I don't know. There, I'm going to be gone for like 10 days starting Friday. So for 10 days, I won't even worry about a car. And that'll be such a nice feeling. But okay. it's, it's, you know, it's almost over, I think. Mm. <laughs> like everything in life. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, let's be real. Let's be real. Yeah. Like all of it. Yeah. I mean, it kind of feels like there's so much going on. I talked to our friend Juan in Puerto Rico. Yeah. How's he doing? I was wondering. He. It's not great. It's not yeah. great. I mean, I'm sure he's not listening right now because I, I'm guessing that they're all conserving every bit of, you know, charge and power that they have. Um, but he said that he was really scared because they didn't have water, which didn't even happen with Hurricane Maria. Uh, five there were some. Where there were there were some places with Hurricane Maria where they didn't have water. Right, he said the whole island yeah, uh, doesn't have water. So, yeah. Well, I posted a bunch of things today on my Instagram stories that'll be gone by tomorrow, of course, of organizations that are like on the ground and helping. But maybe we can put them on the Substack. Yeah. Yeah, so people that can have good. them. Yeah. Because um, if you have like, I know, I know, I know. Guys, believe me, I know. If you're in Puerto Rico and you're somehow listening to this, um, we love you so much and we're thinking about you. And yeah, and hopefully help is coming soon to get the water uh, working again because I don't think people realize that's, you know, when when the pandemic first started, that was like my big concern. I was like, what if people get so sick that like the water can't function anymore? Does Jackson, Mississippi have water again? I don't think so. Yeah, that's another thing, too. There's so many places that aren't going through a hurricane right now that haven't had water for years. <sighs> oh, my God, yeah. So well, anyway, we'll we'll post some um, links to some places where you can give money that goes to help people in Puerto Rico. And I also told Juan, like, if he notices personally in his area any organization that's doing good work, like with his own two eyes, that he would want us to share mm-hmm. um, to let us know. But I haven't heard back, so I'm just. Sending all the love in the world to Juan and his family and everyone in Puerto Rico because I was looking at some videos and it just was terrible. It's, yeah, it's 
Well, it is an, it's a disaster. Yeah, it's a disaster. Oh, God. And there's lots of disasters happening this week. <laughs> there really are. It yeah. sucks. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't even know. I don't even know where to start. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's that, it's weird to say it's that time of year um, where these kind of things <laughs> like, happen. It's that because time it's, of year. Oh, the hurricane season. Hurricane well, season. Well, hurricane season, yes. It but, is actually hurricane yes. season. But I just um, feel like it's also like it's just year-round that we have like all these like <clears throat> global weather disasters. Um, the other day, I went to Emily Beebe's the other night and uh, – her friend gave me a ride home because she uh, she was dro- dropping another friend off that lived uh, that lived very close to me, and we just fully saw a palm tree like on full fire on this. And I was like, "Oh, is it is it the states on fire season?" But I guess that's kind of that's kind of all year. Wow, you can always see a palm tree on fire, I guess. No, I've never seen one on fire. I lived there literally for 25 years. What are you talking about? I'm not even joking you. In the past month, I've driven by three palm That's trees not on normal, Casey. fire on the side Casey, of the highway. I I'm telling you, I lived there for 23 years. 23, right? It's true. I can't do the math, guys. I live but in the I've valley. Ne- I feel like... Casey, no, <laughs> stop normalizing palm trees on fire. That's fucking nuts. It was nuts. And people just like driving by like, oh, yeah. No, I mean, that's not normal. That's not like a thing that happens. All right. That's not, well, that's not okay. I've seen a lot of fires since I've been here. Yeah, I'm, again, just because you've seen them since you've been there. Oh, it's not. I'm, I'm saying it's the new normal. I feel like it's the new normal. Nobody seemed plussed by it. They were nonplussed. Is that the right use of the word nonplussed? That remains yeah, the word it, that I'm, it actually is. I'm most it, confused totally, about. No, that's totally fine. All right. Yeah. Everyone totally was, fine. seemed nonplussed. Oh my god. Who knows? But yeah, a lot going on in the world. The Queen's funeral. Are people still lined up to see it, or is it over now? No, it's done. She's dead. She's on the ground. I mean, no, I mean, I know she's dead, <laughs> but I mean she's in the ground. They put her down into the ground. You know what I just started watching with Birdie? The, the crown. crown. Yes. Wait, did I already tell you this? Yes, you did. T- well, you texted it to me, but you just said you're. Oh, watching okay. I didn't say it on the podcast. Yeah, I didn't tell no. the world. The, yeah, because it hasn't been that long. Yeah, it's so good. Now I understand <laughs> why people have loved it. You're like, Literally, I never I'm believed like, every single no, person loving it. Can I be honest with you? Can I be honest with you? What? Okay. And guys, I swear to God, if you come for me, I don't think this is. I don't think I'm talking. I don't think this is the audience that would like really take on bridge with this. But remember when the pandemic started, the lockdown first started and like people were like finding shows, whatever, rewatching shows or shows that they had never seen. Okay. I had never watched The Sopranos, right? Right. I like watched a few episodes during, I was like planning to do the whole thing and I was like, yeah, I mean, that's good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's yeah. really good. Like that's really good. It's good. Yeah. The crown is like fucking amazing. <laughs> it's like... That Birdie, now see, Birdie's good because really has a way of finding 
a hook for me with shows. Yeah. Like, for instance, when Birdie first started showing me SCOM, um, it wasn't like the first episode of the series that Birdie showed me. Right. It was like season three, episode four or something like that. You know what I mean? It was like an episode that was like really incredible and like well-crafted, whatever. Yeah. So the episode of The Crown that we that I started with, then of course I was confused. I had I had I had to go back and watch some of the <laughs> first several episodes because yeah. I was like, wait, what? What happened? Why did he ab- abdicate? Wait, isn't Wallace Simpson famous? What's happening? Um, was the episode that was about the fog? Do you uh, remember this? Yes, did you watch yes. it? Yeah. It's like the fourth or fifth episode in the first season about this fog that rolled into London and they, the prime minister, like they didn't, they knew that the burning the coal was a bad idea. Yeah. And Churchill was like, people have to have coal. <laughs> and, like, and so, and so, uh, and like thousands of people, 4,000 people died. Yeah. From the toxic smoke. Yeah. yeah. Fog. And, but the way that the episode is structured from like beginning to end and how it ties into the royal, it's like, it was, it's actually like one of the most brilliant episodes of television I've ever seen yeah. from start to finish. Yeah. So all I'm saying is that Bird really got me hooked right. with that one. And then now we're, now I'm just in. I love it. I'll I love it. How many have you just watched within one season? Yeah, I'm only in the first season. Okay. I love I'll be, Claire Foy. I mean, like, she's I love Claire Foy. Brilliant. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So I good. had no idea. Yes. I didn't know. So good. All I'm saying is that people throw around a lot for a lot of shows. <laughs> you know what I mean? That they're yeah. like, oh my God, it is like literally. The most brilliant blood do bidet, you yeah. know? Yeah. I get that. Like, I just feel, I don't know. I just feel like, so that's why a lot of times I'm like, yeah, okay. I mean, if I get to it, I get to it. And I, and then when I get to it, like a lot, of, many times I'm like, oh, I see why people like that. <laughs> You know, this guy. But it's, yeah, it's, it. well, the crown is for you. Yeah, but even if it wasn't for me, like, I still feel like it is incredibly well-crafted and, like, really expertly, it is, like, an expertly done piece of television. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I got it. I got it. Did you watch the entire Sopranos or did you give up? No, I gave up. (laughs) I get it. I think you would maybe get more into it, but that's the thing. You need a birdie to watch it ahead of you, and we don't want birdie watching The Sopranos probably, so. No. No need. I don't know. Shameless. Birdie watch Shameless. That's true. That's true. Um, There are some moments in The Sopranos that are truly sublime, just going to be honest, in my opinion. No, I mean, yes. That but, feels right. I but it's like, that. you know, it's like when everyone was talking about The Wire and how brilliant The Wire was. And I 
could not get through the first three episodes. I watched the first three episodes five times over, 15 times between those three, just trying to get to the good part. But I felt like I needed to know what was going on in the story. And then it did eventually get great. But those first three episodes, and I'm not the only person that's ever said that. Other people are like, I watched two episodes of The Wire and it seems not good. Um, So I don't know. Sometimes... Sometimes it just takes time. And then I love me a Downton Abbey where it's just oh, like. I love Downton Abbey. It's, you can just dip in at any time mm-hmm. and it, it's all like really explained to you what, like you're never lost. You're never like, mm-hmm. what's going on? Like you get it. They're good at um, exposition, I guess. Or what do you call it? Once you've already exposed something in a story, but then you reiterate it in case people are just joining you in progress. I don't even, I don't, a reminder, a recap. I don't know. They're good at recaps, I feel like. Yes, I do too. <laughs> Call the Midwife. Have you ever watched that show? You know, I wanted to and I never did. And everybody it, loves it. It's like a pain reliever, I feel like. And it's been on for like 76 seasons, I feel like. But um, the reason I asked if you had watched anything beyond that first season of the crown is because I'll be interested to hear what you think. Like when the, when the cast members change because they like, you know, they age up or they switch, you know, like Claire Foy isn't the queen forever. I know I'm going to be sad, (laughs) but I think you, I think you'll also like it though. I think you, but she's great. She's great. I just finished better call Saul. How is Better Call Saul? I never watched it. Better Call Saul was really good. Michael McKeon was great in it. Bob Odenkirk, uh, Rhea Seahorn. They're all amazing. Um, One thing that was funny, I tweeted, well, it's just personally funny to me, is that, uh, and I tweeted this, now I'm doing that thing that I hate where I'm saying like what I tweeted where if you wanted to know, you would follow me on Twitter. But anyway, um, there's a part where Saul uh, is kind of like, I don't know, the feds have like come down on him and they're like pulling all of his stuff out of his big mansion or whatever. And they're moving like racks of clothing. And on one of the racks of clothing, they show this uh, leopard tracksuit that he has. And it is the same tracksuit that my entire family bought last Christmas so that we could have matching tracksuits. Oh, my. (laughs) So I was like, um, okay, like this character that's outlandish and cartoonish and ridiculous. That was obviously a punchline in the show. And it's also clothing that all four members of my nuclear family own and wear in sincerity. (sighs) All right. But it was good. I like it. You don't have to have been a Breaking Bad fan, I don't think I was a Breaking Bad fan. Oh, okay. Well, they make appearances. I liked Breaking Bad. Yeah. I think this is, like, um, it's a lot funnier, and it explores, like, the um, psychological reasons why people get into the situations that they get into a little more. Like, with Breaking Bad, like, we know why Walt's doing everything that he's doing, but... You don't know as much why everyone else is, like, going along with it or whatever. Um, But 
Better Call Saul, I think, really looks at the the brains of everyone and how they work. It's good. I recommend it. Okay. But I also watched it well, well after the fact of, like, you know, I watched it after the finale. I started it after the finale. Because I like to binge things, I guess, is the point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, you know, mm-hmm. I like to know, sure. oh, I have to watch seven years worth of a TV show. Well, it's not like the same ta- thing anymore. Like, it's not like 22 episodes a year, you know? Um, Wait, so that's our television recap. Yeah. I also watched the Elvis movie finally because, you know, I love Baz Luhrmann. Yeah, I never watched it, but, you know. I watched um, parts of it. That Austin Butler fella, uh, I was annoyed when I saw the casting of him because I was like, Elvis yeah. has such a look and he really doesn't look like Elvis at all. Mm-hmm. Um, he literally became Elvis Presley. Yeah. It was insane. It's insane. And now I th- think that he's having that thing. He like can't get out of it. Oh, no. <laughs> he's, yes. he's trapped being Elvis for the rest of his life. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, he was great. And, uh, if you, I don't know if you at home, do you watch Baz Luhrmann things? I like all things that glow and sparkle. And that is like why I love Baz Luhrmann so much. And I know that some people didn't love the Elvis movie. Um, but for me, it had a lot of glowing and sparkling. So that was, uh, that was great. But it did, I got what people were saying. It never really got into like being a movie. It was like all of all of Baz Luhrmann's tricks and things that he did and there wasn't like for someone that has like such a deep story like Elvis and Colonel Tom Parker, it didn't really get that deep into the story of either of them. They played the hits. They played the hits. Kind of we just want to we kind of just want just play the hits. You know what I mean? <laughs> But I liked it. And I I felt bad because I watched it behind Matt's back because he was like, kept asking me to wait to watch it. And then finally, I just was like, no. And then I just watched it. But I told him. Oh, my gosh. I was just literally (laughs) in a restaurant over the weekend. And I was proselytizing wild grain yeah. to the waitress and my friend that I was eating with. And that's how much I love it. I wasn't even getting paid at yeah. brunch. I wasn't even getting paid, guys. And I was just like, oh my God, you guys, I'm obsessed with wild, <laughs> with wild grain. You got to get it. You got to get it. They have a slow fermentation process, clean ingredients, and I can eat the bread and my tummy doesn't her and the best part is we put it in the oven it's like 20 minutes or 25 minutes or something because it's you bake it from frozen artisanal bread and then you get that hot hot bread Uh, out of the oven hot bread out the oven yeah I've also as we know had trouble with wheat making me oh, yeah. sneezy oh, and yeah. red nose. I have like a little bit of an allergic reaction to like your mainstream wheat. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just my experience. Wild grain products don't seem to have that effect on me. So I am in heaven because wild grain, if you don't know, is the first bake from frozen box for artisanal bread 
but they also have rolls, pastries, cookies, pasta. Well, the and- pasta also has been uh, in the rotation in my house. And uh, Bertie's obsessed. And it's so, so good. good. It's I'm so hungry. Good. Now I wish I had it here at Casa Kismet. I got to get it here. Because <laughs> I literally croissants. would bake it right now. Those croissants I would bake it right now. <laughs> they use, Wild Grain uses only clean ingredients, unbleached and non-GMO flour. It's, it's real. Much better than anything I've had in a grocery store or a restaurant in a long time. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. Okay. And for every new member, Wild Grain donates six meals to the Greater Boston Food Bank. They've donated over 120,000 meals so far. You guys, I'm sorry. You got to just do it. You have to trust us on this one. This one, you just have to trust us on it. Okay. You just got to do it. You have to sign up at wildgrain.com slash busy and choose what type of box you want to receive and how often. It's very easy to reschedule, skip, or to cancel if you're like, I've had enough bread in my life, but you're (laughs) not going to do it. The croissants alone. The croissants alone. (laughs) That should be their tagline, I feel like, because we say it every time. The croissants alone. Hungry already? For a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box plus free croissants <laughs> in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash busy to start your subscription. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash busy. That's wildgrain, wildgrain.com slash busy. Or you can use the promo code Busy, B-U-S-Y, at the checkout. You guys, go right now. Do it. Base, base, base. You guys, we've already told you we're obsessed with base. It's the luggage and bags. It's spelled B-E-I-S. Yes. And I was like blown away by the efficiency of these of this bag, this carry-on. Because it's hard for me to fit everything, especially like if I'm trying to be travel light. Yes. But with base, there's literally room for everything. Even if you are like me and you're an overpacker, I mean, everything fits. It is truly staggering. Yeah. And, and... It looks, it's beautiful. It's chic. It's, it's affordable. So chic and Travel so bags and accessories that look good and are packed with function. I didn't know that it was created by the actress Shay Mitchell because <laughs> she was like, I'm traveling a lot. Yes. And I'm, and I'm going to need some, I need some better luggage here that does better things. And she figured it out. And I am honestly, I'm a fan. Huge fan. I'm about to pack for a 10-day trip, and all I'm taking is my rolling carry-on because I'm not a bag checker when I'm, like, traveling alone. Rolling carry-on and my personal item, the the Weekender bag that has, for me, the crucial thing, the trolley sleeve that slips over the carry-on no, it's handle. the best. So it I'm, all— I have—that's my favorite, but I'm still—I still need to get my um, roller— you need Suitcase. to get a roller. I haven't yeah, gotten the it roller, yet. The roller bag. I'm going to yeah. get it. Maybe I'll okay. get it right now. Maybe I'll just okay. go online right now while we're doing it. 
because I want it to match. I love how it matches and it's all cream and you never see cream colored luggage. You know what I mean? So good. I should have bought cream for myself. I got black because very versatile and anyone in my family can use it, but I should have just treated myself to the cream just for me. Shay Mitchell, you're my hero. I want you guys to look at this luggage, but then I want you to get some for yourself. Treat yourself. And also, it's a great gift. I'm just going to say holidays coming up. Great gift for like a sister, mom, or dad, or like a, I don't know, friend, or just a gift for yourself. Uh, Right now, Base is offering our listeners 15% off your first purchase by visiting basetravel.com slash best. Go to basetravel, B-E-I-S, T-R-A-V-E-L dot com slash best for 15% off your first purchase. That's B-E-I-S travel dot com slash best. Um, I went and did this like voting thing this morning. Yeah, I saw that like voting registration. Yeah, today it's it's National Voter Registration Day. Which- I told you I finally figured out my voting thing here. You Thank did? God. Yeah. It just took a minute. I mean, it wasn't that big of a deal. It just uh, required me literally going to a website <laughs> and, figure, and figuring it out. You know what I mean? Whatever. It doesn't matter. I have like complications that normal people when they move don't have. Right. I do. Whatever. It doesn't matter. We don't need to get into it, guys. <laughs> we don't need to get into it. The important thing is that we vote, that we show up. That we vote for women because literally CNN had a thing today that was like, these are the men politicians who want to put women in jail who have had abortions. I can't. I just can't even like. You have to. With what they're. (laughs) No, but I mean, I just can't believe. It's fucking nuts. I'm losing my mind. I actually am losing my mind. Sorry. I just like, I kind of like blacked out just now. Like when we were talking about TV and movies and stuff, because I'm just like, I don't know. There's such good Hollywood gossip happening this week. There's such good other stuff happening this week. Like I don't know how we are all standing upright. I don't know how I'm going to see Harry Styles tomorrow. I don't know how any of us are doing anything. This is fucking insanity. It's insanity. And like, we're not, I don't think that our side is appropriately responding. (laughs) I don't. I I know what you're saying. I know. I get it. These motherfuckers. Wait, by the way, the Chrissy Teigen, we got to talk about this. We just have to talk about it. We have to talk about it. Yeah. So guys, in case I'm just going to fill you in really fast. I, most of you, I'm sure probably know this slash saw one of my Instagram stories over the weekend. Last week at an event, Chrissy Teigen said, um, I didn't realize that I didn't actually have like a miscarriage. I had abortion care after their baby died inside of her. Okay. (sighs) This is exactly what we're talking about. Right. And people were like, uh, people were being such assholes in the comments. And I was just like, fuck you. Do you know how many people I have talked to that don't understand that a D and C, D and C, dilation and curatage? Yeah. Because they use this surgical instrument called a curette. There you go. Which is, it's a sharp instrument. Right, right. 
or a suction. Yeah. And they remove the uterine tissue. Yeah. So here's what happened. Cause I d- like talked to Planned Parenthood about this. So the term DNC came about because of the stigma attached to abortion, to the word abortion. And doctors had a hard time with women who were already undergoing the massive stress and loss of a pregnancy that they wanted and didn't want to then further upset them or cause any emotional pain. Right. Especially if the person happened to be religious or whatever. Right. And so they called the procedure something other than abortion on purpose because the word abortion had such a stigma attached to it. Right. Unfortunately, unfortunately, it is the same fucking procedure and by law is considered abortion care. Right. And by the way, whatever, not unfortunately, it is what it is. You know what I mean? People should be able to access the care that they need when they need it, whether or not you fucking know about it or not, politicians, sir. But the truth of the matter is, I after I posted in my stories about just supporting Chrissy and saying like, it's not unusual for women to not understand that after miscarriage care is the same thing as an abortion. If your baby dies inside of you, if your baby has, if, you know, it gets to the point, literally, like, it's not even like, you know, she was 20 weeks. Right. And the baby passed away inside. I mean, that's really heartbreaking. Right. And people are like, well, why do you consider that a baby and not a, well, for a couple of reasons. Number one, like a lot, this is, these are the times that it's not like, you know, just like a little fetus, like does it have viability outside of the womb? I don't know, but you know, it's a different, it's just a different distinction. Truly. You know, anyway, Again, this is like, I feel like we did talk about this a little bit, but like, this is where we're so, we have been so failed by our parties, which is just that like, nothing in life is black and white, nothing. Right. Including our reproductive systems. Right. Well, when you were saying, unfortunately, I think the unfortunate thing is that because like uh, this thing that was done out of sensitivity calling uh, something a DNC so that it's not triggering for women. It doesn't cause them emotional, further emotional distress. Which which was necessary right. because of the stigma that was perpetrated on abortion right. Right. by religious fucking nutbags right. who have no fucking concept of what it it any of this is. Right. And so, but the unfortunate thing is that like, in a lot of people's minds, I think now thought that an abortion and a DNC were separate, two different things. And they're not, they're not. I mean, I can tell you like when I was pregnant with Eli, I was bleeding. And so matter of factly, my OBGYN said like, if this keeps happening, we'll bring you in for a DNC. Just, you know, like that's something that pregnant women, 
here all the time, just very routinely. And, and that's the term, but I was very lucky in that. Should I have needed that at that time? Nobody was like, and hopefully like the government will let us do it. Um, and you know, like that's where we're at now. You might, you might need that and you might not be able to get that. And so I think it was really brave of Chrissy to say something because she could have just like gone on not saying anything, but she does speak up. I will say that she does speak up and speak on, on things that are hard to talk about. And so I think that was really brave of her. And I'm sure that um, switched on a light bulb for a lot of people. Yeah. So here's what's already just so you guys know. You know, SB8 has been the law in Texas for a year. Um, And they're like, life of the mother exception. SB8 has the technically the life of the mother exception. Okay, well, in Texas, a woman, this is from CNN, learned that her baby had heart, lung, brain, kidney, and genetic defects and would either be stillborn or die within minutes of birth. At the same time, doctors warned her that carrying the baby to term threatened her own life. But she was refused an abortion by doctors who said it could run afoul of the state's strict six-week abortion ban. She drove 10 hours to New Mexico. Another Texas woman was forced to carry her dead fetus for weeks. In Louisiana, a woman carrying a fetus without a skull was not allowed to get an abortion and another one was denied an abortion and instead forced into hours of labor when her water broke at 16 weeks. It doesn't make any sense. It do, it doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense. So literally hundreds of people responded to me on, yeah. in my stories saying, wait, they're trying to ban all D and C procedures? Things like th- this. This is from yeah. one woman. Um, I had to have a DNC a week after I had my first daughter because I had a hemorrhaging. I mean, like that probably would still. I guess you'd be able to get that. I don't know. I don't know. I actually don't know. It, I don't know. It I actually don't know. It doesn't seem like something that they wouldn't try to stop. Yeah, I don't know. I had a DNC for a missed miscarriage. I can't imagine if that hadn't been an option. I would have gone septic and died if those weren't, if that wasn't an available option. This is what this one woman wrote me. It's taken me 25 years to realize my miscarriage in DNC was an abortion. I would have died without it. <laughs> right. I mean, this is like fucking nuts. It's fucking nuts. So, yeah, the upshot is please check your voter registration. <laughs> please, when this comes out, 48 days yeah. until the I mean, midterms. we have to, like, they have to get every every one of these motherfuckers has got to be kicked out of office. I mean, it's... I'm kind of holding my breath, you know, just because, like... Me too. Being outraged like an expressing outrage is 
I don't, I don't know how effective it is when I do it. Like, I don't know that it changes anything. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir and, you know, and I think, I think like, people didn't, I think a lot of people don't understand the DNC thing. Yeah. I think, people, I think, I think people don't understand right. that. That's why I think it's so smart and uh, generous that Chrissy came out and talked about that. And I think it's so important that, you know, and that, and that really isn't outrage. That's just like, FYI, here are the facts. This is abortion care. This is something that they're trying to take away. Just FYI. And that is all in service of reiterating to people how important it is to make sure that you're registered to vote and make sure that you vote. And I know a lot of people are like, you know, we we have been voting. We can't vote harder. But that's like that's the recourse that we have for stopping this is voting and then holding our elected officials' feet to the fire once we get them in office. Because there is no holding Lindsey Graham's feet to the fire. He doesn't care. He doesn't he give a fuck. is a hypocrite. He just says whatever. There's, like, video of him six weeks ago saying, like, abortion is a state's right issue. Like, that's, we gotta leave it up to the states. And then, I guess, like, he realized that some states, when it's left up to them, are like, yeah, we're gonna make sure you can get abortions. And now, he would like to say it's not a state's rights issue. And so, the only recourse against someone like Lindsey Graham is to fucking defeat him. And so voting right now, yeah, we do. <laughs> like, I personally can't vote harder. I can just go into the booth and have my one vote. But we do have to vote harder as a people. And that includes, like, shoot, make sure your voter registration is right. Make sure that you weren't dropped and purged from the rolls in your where you live because they're doing that all the time, too. Like, Make sure that people in your life have a way to get to the polls to vote. It's fucking, it's not a joke. And it's not just abortion rights. Like, our democracy is literally at stake. Well, yeah. But I mean, also, like, just all of the voter suppression and the gerrymandering of districts and... Like all of those things, they all come down to like the state and local elections. And so I know you guys, you guys have heard us fucking say it again and again and again, but that's the shit that really matters. And I love all our friends raising all that money for the state's project. It's not too late, guys. Jump in, raise some money for the state's project or just get email 10 of your friends right now and say like, hey, can we all give a hundred bucks and we'll throw it towards state the state's project yeah you know what I mean like yeah. I don't I don't know what the answer is like we're, they <laughs> we're like out they the the billionaire we have the numbers for good the billionaires have the money for bad yeah yeah that's the truth that is the that truth. like we may have the numbers for good but unfortunately the billionaires have the checkbooks and they want the tax breaks and right. so they don't give a fuck about your rights or my rights or a lady in Louisiana who's carrying a dead baby for three weeks. They don't right. give a fuck. 
Right. Doesn't impact them. Doesn't matter. Would never, would never impact them. Right. Would never be someone that they loved because someone that they loved would get the care they needed because they would make sure that they did. Right. 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 So yeah, 48 days, 48 days. And I, I have to be honest, like I've been watching the polls and like, I don't trust polls anymore because, you know, you just, you can't like they go wrong all the time. And also I don't trust, I don't trust Republicans. (laughs) I don't trust Republicans. No fucking way. I mean, did you see those videos of like the Trump people like going into the elect like the election offices with all the ballots like what the fuck are they doing they're like all evil they're so evil right we have to be more creative how can we be more creative (laughs) i'm serious that's a really good question well i mean that's always been the problem right i don't know we're the we're the more creative people i know but we're also i'm i'm just gonna say it being moral is an issue when you're dealing with people that have no problem with being immoral. I mean, the migrant crisis alone right now is is talk about amoral. It's like abusive. I mean, obviously, you know, people are looking into whether or not it's illegal. I don't even care if it's illegal or not. It is inhumane and like disgusting what right. these governors have done. Ducey, fucking asshole in Arizona, and DeSantis and Abbott. Right. It's horrible. Just tricking immigrants into... Who are, by the way, like legal asylum seekers. Yes. And sending them to Martha's Vineyard, the least able to handle an influx. Like, if it had even been at the beginning of the summer, there's a chance that they would have had jobs possibly but like Martha's Vineyard shuts down in the fall there's nothing there there's nothing there's no way to it's a tiny island it's just so gross and using people as pawns as to pawns, make a political but what, point yes but that's like what this all is like right. they just have no conscience right they lack a conscience completely right. a moral code no a moral so th- code how do they fucking sleep at night how do you eat dinner how do you like fuck someone who's doing that i'm not kidding like i'm mrs doug Ducey. i assume he's married i don't fucking know how do you suck that guy's dick you and i i'm don't. serious we d- you and i don't well, one no, of us for sure obviously do. obviously no i'm just saying how do you stay married to that person when they're the things that they do are evil? Yeah. How are these women? This is like I'm just saying. There's like a There's a whole bunch of things that are like supporting and propping up these fucking men. And obviously, like the patriarchy and white supremacy, like come into play majorly. Yeah. Okay. And we've talked about like. People being women needing to be deprogrammed, all of us needing to be deprogrammed at one time or another. I'm sure people listening, you know, have had moments in their lives where they're like, oh, I need to figure out, wait, I what is white privilege? What am I, what is this? What am I, you know what I mean? Right. Why do I defer to a guy's opinion? Right. Or whatever. I, you know, like, why do I allow myself to be subjugated? 
I don't know. I just like from a human standpoint. Yeah. I guess it's just like, how do you lose touch with your humanity to such a degree that you don't see people as, as, as people that you could love, that could love you? I mean, it's been happening over and over since the dawn of human history. People have always subjugated other people and looked the other way and told themselves that they weren't guilty of atrocities. But, I mean, look at human history. We're not doing great. It's not great, and we should be further along. That's what's... That's what's most sickening to me is that we studied all of these things growing up in school, the things that we were allowed to study, not even what was like whitewashed. Like, right, right. You know, you, I'm sure you saw Tom Hanks like talking about how he Tulsa, never learned right? about Tulsa in school and being angry about it. Like, we didn't learn that in school. We know now. But I spent my entire eighth grade studying the Holocaust. And that that was an atrocity that never could be repeated. And I have my doubts. And it is fucking weird to me that all of these people that I grew up around that were so proud of their granddad's military service and their dad's military service and how their great-granddad kicked Nazi ass, it's very weird to me that... Some of them now are like, yeah, I basically, I guess I support fascism and like I wouldn't be against like putting a swastika sticker on my pickup. Like, I guess that's what I think now. Like, even though like I also support the troops, I guess that's how people's brains sometimes work and it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I guess it's all based on like fucking grievance, like as a white person. Like, you know, I'm willing to accept equality up to a point as long That's as right. I'm superior That's right. in the That's right. equality. That's right. That's and that right. doesn't make any sense. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. It's the idea that someone else's success somehow diminishes your own. Right. 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 Or someone else's whatever. Right. Yeah. Success. I guess it's just success. It's just that's it just comes down to that. Right. Being able to live freely and yes. have a say in your life and how your life turns out somehow takes something away from these other fucking people. They've just been convinced of that, right? Because yes. they've been convinced that they like are owed some fucking bullshit that no one is owed. No one is owed anything in life. Right. Because, I mean, that's been, you know, well, that's been the messaging of our country too, you know, that we're... The United States, we're exceptional in the world. It's the American best nation. It's the best nation on the planet and uh, that we are fully free to do whatever we want here in the United States. And the truth is we're not fully free. We're not, like we have laws that govern us and we owe money to the country and to our respective states that we live in. And so when that starts to rub people the wrong way, I guess, they develop these grievances, but really like placing blame in places that to me don't make a lot of sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense. We fought the Civil War. 
And the Civil War was fucking complicated and the eradication of slavery was fucking complicated and it wasn't Mm -hmm. like people think it was, you know? Mm -hmm. But it's wild to me that people are still like, yeah, but, you know, I want to still have the Confederate flag on my front porch. Like, I just want to, even though it's like a symbol of, A, an army that was defeated roundly defeated years ago when people are like, it's my heritage. And I'm like, it's a heritage of racism though. But I, so people get confused and people don't look that deeply into things. People don't think that deeply about things. And I'm not honestly sure how big of a difference it would make because I think mostly people are out for themselves, you know? Like, I just, I think it's been shown time and time again that people only respond to an emergency. And I'm not saying, like, obviously there are heroes and there are individuals that go out of their way and put their lives on the line to help other people when there's an emergency. But collectively, like, the pandemic has showed us Mm -hmm. people do what they want to fucking do. And even when they're like, everybody has to do this if we're going to defeat this pandemic, even really, really good people are like, yeah, but I have to do this one thing that's like breaking the rules. And then I have to do, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, we weren't able to get it together to defeat this pandemic. So now it's basically endemic. It's just a thing that we're going to live with. And people are going to. But we weren't. Okay. Yes. We had bad messaging too. I was going to say the pandemic came at the end of a very intense period of brainwashing. For sure. 100%. And indoctrination. Yes. And I actually think that, I think that there's a way to deprogram people. I do. I hope so. In well, the what same I, way that we, in the same way that so many people have been programmed. Yeah. I think that the conversations have to change. And like, maybe it is happening. Maybe it isn't. I don't fucking know. I know that like from therapy and whatever, all we can do, right, is like control our own selves. Yeah. And the And we only have the ability to influence those in our immediately around us, our children, our family members, people who love and respect us already. And then the rest of the shit we, we can work on collectively. It's going to take everybody though. Yeah. It can't, it can't just be like, it's not just, it's not going to be fast. It's not going to be this election cycle, by the way. Right. Well, what I was going to say is, like, I think the truth is, if left to our own devices, most people are out for themselves. So what I want to say to everyone who's listening and what I want you to say to people in your lives who are listening, you have to be out for your fucking self. You are the one that is going to save you. You know what I mean? Like, you have to make sure to vote in your interest. And I know that, again, like, we're preaching to the choir and everyone probably thinks kind of in alignment who's listening to this. But I guess my point is, don't leave it to chance. You know what I mean? Because I think that's where people get, like, a little casual and a little ambivalent. And they're like, no, I know I'm registered. I know I am. 
I know I am. And then you show up at the polls or your ballot doesn't come or whatever. And then an opportunity to make your voice heard has slipped by. It's happened to so many people I know. And so I'm just saying, like, be fucking paranoid about it. We should be paranoid about so many things, starting with, am I registered to vote? Am I going to be able to vote in this election? Are the people in my house going to be able to vote? Nag the shit out of the people around you. And is everyone in my family going to be able to vote, especially the ones that are going to vote in my interests because they care about me? And I know we've heard from a lot of you, like, my dad doesn't care about this. My brother doesn't care about this. The family group text is a shit show. Okay, don't remind those people to vote. You know, that's okay, too. That's on them. Yeah, but also maybe tell them about the lady in Louisiana carrying a dead baby for three weeks. Yeah. Maybe tell them about the lady whose baby didn't have a fucking skull and they refused to help her. I think it's horrifying, and I think that men don't understand. I think yeah, that men don't understand. Yeah, I wish that more understand. men were moved by those by hearing those stories, but I don't even think they're hearing it. That's what I'm saying. I'll tell them. I think them. they're just like, oh, Fucking that's, put them in front of me. That's sad. My God, at Jenny's book talk last week, yeah. I did feel a little bit bad for like one second because Why? I don't even know how this fucking happened. But all of a sudden, it was just like all these like nice moms, you know, like mm-hmm. who mostly have little kids because mm-hmm. it's the Dictator Lunches book, you know? So it's like school lunches, you yeah. know? And somehow in the middle of it, I just was like, oh, I know what it was actually. Somebody was saying like, oh, is it too young to introduce something? You know what I mean? And I was like, it's not too young. You know, and Jenny was like, the food thing was like, it's not too young to introduce, you know, once the allergen thing passes at like age one or two or whatever it is, like you can introduce all kinds of things like and just keep introducing it. Right. And I was like, right. And it's never too young to talk about consent or, um, Yeah, or sex or um, and make sure that your kid knows that if they have any questions, they can come to you. And it's definitely never too young to talk about uh, drugs and especially like fentanyl and especially how like fentanyl is getting into like, you know, prescription drugs that kids are buying on TikTok and buying online and uh, and dying from. Um, So you can feel free to have those conversations as well. And it was like a little bit of like a... (gasps) Like people got a little pearl clutchy, you know, in the audience. And I was like, I'm sorry, guys, two 15 year old girls in Los Angeles this week overdosed on fentanyl on the playground, you know? And like, I almost threw up when I read that story, you know, less than a mile from my old house. Right. Right. And, uh, and the, and the fact of the matter is like, there's an epidemic, there's a problem. And, you know, you should also get Narcan. If you have teenagers in your house, you should get Narcan and talk to your teenagers about the fact that you have Narcan. And if one of their friends is overdosing to like immediately get you. Right. You know, like, look, I'm not saying that like, (laughs) whatever. People are just like so weird. Like even progressive liberal people sometimes still have their own shit that they're like their own boundaries that they won't cross with their kids in talking, being open about things. And it's like, if not you, then who? Right. Yeah. Someone's going to talk to them. Someone's going to talk about them. And like, I'm, I'm sorry, but like 14 is too late. Right. 
Right. It is. It just is. If you haven't started those conversations at like nine or 10, right. don't you agree? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I've said this before on the podcast, but like we were always the parent that were that was like, do you have a gun in your house if you want our oh, kid to yes, come play? Yes, of course. You and know? we've done that. Yes. And we've talked about that. And that same, same thing. But then we've people are like, too. people have actually responded being like, this is awkward that you're asking this. And I'm like, think of how awkward it would be if you had to call me and say that one of our kids shot the other one. That would be awkward. That would legitimately be awkward and bad. So like, I don't like... People are always wondering if the time is right for something, if they're doing something too soon. No, we're doing everything too late constantly. 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 You have to think about it beforehand. And we have to stop saying, like, not my kid, not my... Because that's all... I mean, adults are ODing on fentanyl. Well, right. Yes. Like, it doesn't matter if... Your kid wouldn't do it 364 days out of the year. It's the one day that, like, the stars align for something tragic to happen. Where uh, It's never too soon. You know, I'm not saying sit down with your six-year-old and have a talk about the ravages drugs. of hard drugs or whatever. <laughs> I'm saying, you know, don't eat anything that looks like this. I hate it, but that's where we are, you know? And by the way, like... If you're sending your kid to school with a lunch, they're also having active shooter drills. So is it too soon to do that? No. It, right. It's horrible. And it's horrible that your kid has to live through that. But they're already going through these, you know, these exercises where they have to digest big, awful ideas about the way the world is. So, like, you should know about that. And you should they, be able to make that relationship between, like, shootings and drugs and rights and just all kinds of shit. And toxic masculinity. And toxic masculinity. And the fucking patriarchy. And the fucking patriarchy. And men not understanding our bodies. Yeah, that's a... Which is so fucking stupid. I'm sorry. I'm just so over it. I don't want to hear one more, like, can't find the clitoris joke. Fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah. I can't. I'm not going to yeah. do it. I'm not I'm not I'm not buying into that bullshit. Well, it's again that thing if By the way, it's not that fucking hard. If he wanted to, he would. But it's like it's like anything that just it's such black and white thinking, but we're not talking to Lindsey Graham. If he was about to understand reason, he would have at any point over the many many years of his career. He has not. He has progress, progressively become, well, progressively is the wrong word to use, but he has steadily become the monster that we know today. So to like hope that he changes course, to hope that any of these people are going to suddenly do the right thing is a fool's fucking errand. Anyway, we have to be out for ourselves and our kids and... You know, honestly, whether they like it or not, like the fucking old white men in our lives, because here's the thing, progressive policies are good for everyone. They're helpful to everyone when they are able to be enacted and put into place. They're helpful for the economy. They're helpful for all of our health and our mental health and just everything that we need to like keep the country from turning into 
the last dumpster fire. So, like, when you're voting, you're even voting in the interests of people who are kicking and screaming about what's happening in the country that they disagree with. You're making good things possible, even for them, even if they won't admit it and they'll never acknowledge it. So we have to be out as out for ourselves as these folks are because, I mean, literally democracy is at stake 48 days. Yeah. And then again. And then then again. And then again. And then again. And then again. Because it's an ongoing fight, you know? Yes, it is. And I do think, here's where I think that it's got to be, we have to discuss the, like, different pronged approach. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I got involved with Vote Mama because they also have started, like, the Vote Mama lobby. You know what I mean? Uh Uh-huh. And that's to change policy. Like, there's, you know, there are lots of different ways to go about it. We have to change hearts and minds. We have to change policy. We have to make sure the lawmakers are in place that can enact the policy. We have to like keep our foot on the gas to make sure that the lawmaker lawmakers who are in place who can enact the policy remember that it's important for them to enact the policy. We have to remember to keep registering new voters. We have to remember to stand up for people who can't speak for themselves or don't have a platform or who are new to the country and looking to seek asylum and for them to not be used as political pawns. Like there are many things that need to happen all and give them support and help in their building their new lives here. Because by the way, with global warming, it's only going to become more of a thing that people are going to have to migrate to other places and it right. may be fucking you someday. Right. Even if you're living Truly. in a beachfront mansion. Well, I mean, that maybe especially if you're living maybe in Maybe especially mansion. that all of your privilege has bought you. That shit could be in the ocean before you know it. And you'll be the new person in town. I just am like... <clears throat> There is not one right answer to right. this situation that we have that we're currently in in this country and we really have to attack things like from all sides. Yeah. And and I know it feels overwhelming. Sometimes it feels really fucking overwhelming for all of us, for everybody. The good news is, here's what I'm going to say. As long as it feels overwhelming to people at different times, that's okay. Yeah. Like the day that I'm overwhelmed, maybe you're not. <laughs> right. <laughs> maybe you can, maybe you can like do, maybe you can make a phone call that day. Right. That I'm like, I'm overwhelmed. I can't. I got to sit this out. You know? Yeah. The day I need to shut off the news, maybe you're like, I'm keeping track. Right. Oh my God, Busy, did you know that you breathe 20,000 breaths per day? No, no. Is that true? That's what I heard. I thought you were just literally about to tell me that I was breathing too loud (laughs) into the microphone. (laughs) I was like, like, oh God, what did I do? I'm breathing too loud? (laughs) (laughs) 
No, you're breathing just perfectly, but that's because you have Air Doctor. I do have Air Doctor. I love it so much. I really do. I know you really love clean air. You know, when we, well, first of all, clean air, who, who doesn't love (laughs) it? Who doesn't love it? But, uh, when we got back from vacation and we had found that Gina had peed all over that rug. Remember, (laughs) remember that story? And the house kind of smelled funny. Yeah. Boy, did I, I cranked up that air doctor. I'm not even kidding you guys. Six minutes. It was gone. Wow. Yeah. But it's, they use, it uses, Air Doctor uses an ultra HEPA filter that's been independently tested to remove 99.99 of tested bacteria and viruses. And, and this is not tested, but dog pee smell. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, allergens can vary in size, but the average pollen size is about 25 microns. That's very tiny. And Air Doctor captures particles as small as 0.003 microns in size. So that's 100 times smaller than even the HEPA standard. So it's catching everything, including however many microns pee smell is. Yeah. Odors, all odors, gases, chemicals. And chemicals like formaldehyde, stinky gym clothes, chemical cleaning products. Air Doctor is always on call to keep your air fresh and clean. Their Air Doctor 3000 purifier is powerful enough to circulate the air in a 630 square foot room four times an hour. That's impressive. That's amazing. Yeah. I do think that's impressive. And like also a thing that we don't really need to know. All we need to know is that the air that we are breathing is clean and pure and that we spend a lot of time indoors. And according to the EPA, indoor air can be two to five times more polluted than outdoor air. Whoa. Gross. That's gross. It makes sense, that is but it gross. is gross. But that's why I love the air doctor. Also, it's much quieter, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, Air Doctor is so like 30% it's so nice. quieter. Like mm, don't hear it at I all. I would say it's more, but okay. I'll go with the <laughs> I'll go with their their approved 30%. Anyway, we love it. It really has made our air clean, taken smells away. Um and honestly, you'll see the like lack of dust. Right. That's what's impressive to me. Yeah. Uh, Air Doctor comes with a no questions asked 30 day money back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. So head to airdoctorpro.com. Use the promo code BEST. And depending on the model, you're going to receive up to 35% off. That's up to 35% off. But only if you go to A I R D O C T O R P R O.com and use promo code BEST. Listen, I don't know about you guys, but it's like almost impossible to get my kids to take vitamins. Uh, And I would buy these like gummy vitamins and then my kids got cavities because basically most children's vitamins are sugar. Basically candy and period, period, period. Um, But then we found Haya because they reached out. They wanted to advertise on the podcast. They thought it could be a fit. They sent us the vitamins. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. (laughs) Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full body nourishment the kids need with a yummy taste that they love. It's formulated with the help of nutritional experts. Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies, then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals, including 
vitamins D, B12, C, zinc, folate, and many others to help support immunity, energy, brain function, mood, concentration, teeth, bones, and more. I'm not going to lie. I've taken them myself. (laughs) Helping with mood alone is such a help to parents. I agree. My kids (laughs) love them. Cricket had a bunch of fun decorating the little bottle, the refillable bottle with the stickers. Oh, yeah. That you get with the first order. So you can customize your bottle. Again, I take them. Okay, guys. (laughs) It's designed for kids of all ages. It's sent straight to your door. So you really have one last thing that you have to worry about when you're at the store and you're like, wait, what do I need? What am I doing? What's happening? You know what I mean? Uh we have worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim the deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash busy. This deal is not available on their regular website. So go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash busy and get your kids the full body nourishment that they need to grow into healthy adults slash bigger kids. Can I tell you about what my theory is about the Adam Levine thing? It's controversial, but I think oh, I'm going to be... Pro- okay. All right. It's controversial. Controversial. Do we even Do we want let, me to be controversial? Sh- yeah, be controversial, but let's give everyone the backstory in case you haven't seen. A young woman has come forward and said that she had a relationship with Adam Levine. Um, and she sort of said that he... Did she tell him, did she say that he said he was like that thing that every fucking guy says they're separated or they're going to get separated or Oh, I didn't see that part. Oh, may, maybe I could just be making She said this that up. they were like dating for all I saw. Here's what I saw. She didn't know he was married or she thought that the marriage was in trouble She's or something. She's very young. Yeah. I just watched the TikTok that she put out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was just like I was really young and quite frankly, I feel like I was taking advantage of. And then I get this text and it's from him and it said, or DM, I don't know if it was a DM, DM or text. It was think, a DM. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't even Because it was like and his says, official account or something. Yeah. Which people a, were like, what are you stupid? Don't use your official account. Well, but wait. Okay. So, but this is why I think I have a, a controversial take. take. Okay. I don't know if it's a controversial take, but so he I haven't DM- been on line this morning so he dm'd this young woman saying like (laughs) uh this might be weird but um where i'm expecting another baby and i if it's a boy i'd love to name it sumner which is the girl's the girl's name name right yeah and then i think he said for real (laughs) for and then he said for real and then sent a shrug emoji and so then everybody like fucking blew up about how he's like having an affair on Bahati and like she's pregnant with their third kid and like yeah. whatever whatever I'm gonna say something controversial I don't think they ever had an affair I don't think he had an affair with her oh you don't no I think he was just like texting her because he was bored like DMing I think he like DMs a bunch of hot girls interesting I think like if any like listen is was it yeah. is it inappropriate maybe I don't yes. know I'm yeah, not married I mean, to Adam Levine yeah that's no, I'm true. just saying. Yeah, no, that's... I'm saying. Was it inappropriate? I don't know. I'm not married to right, Adam Levine. Right. I don't know what their arrangement is. Right. And I don't. But I don't feel like they ever fucking even hooked up. That is my. That is my controversial statement. Okay. Is interesting. I would be surprised if they ever saw each other in person. Okay. Did you watch the video from 
today, her TikTok from today. I only saw, I was watching it when we Mm-mm. started recording. No, I'm telling you, I haven't seen anything. Okay. I saw a thing from her today saying that the reason she came out with the video in the first place, I think, is because a friend got a hold of the story and was trying to sell it. And so she did her video, like putting everything out there in the first place. Um, and she felt very rushed. And so she was getting on to clarify some things. So that I was kind of like, okay, clarify away. But I didn't see what she was clarifying. I mean, look, whatever. I don't fucking know. Maybe I don't (laughs) care. Obviously, it's like really dumb. I don't know. I just wish people wouldn't get mixed up in drama. But I guess that's too much to to wish for. Instagram model Sumner Stroh claimed she and the Maroon 5 frontman had an affair a few years back. She also alleged the singer was bold enough to ask if he could name his baby with his wife, Bahati Prinsloo, after her. Um, now the pop star is clapping back. This is from Perez Hilton, by the way. Oh, Cla- wow. Clapping back okay. at the claims, though, admitting he did fuck up a bit. Ooh, he did. Uh, okay, see, listen, you're giving me information. I don't he, know. I'm just telling you. I'm like, uh, this is just my gut. Like, you know, yeah. this is just my well, psychic. He's, he's saying my psychic what, feeling. He's saying what you said to TMZ. He said, "I used poor judgment in speaking with anyone other than my wife in any kind of flirtatious manner. I did not have an affair. Nevertheless, I crossed the line during a regrettable period of my life. In certain instances, it became inappropriate. I have addressed that in taking pro and." taken proactive steps to remedy this with my family. My wife and my family is all I care about in this world. To be this naive and stupid enough to risk the only thing that truly matters to me was the greatest mistake I could ever make. I will will never make it again. (laughs) I take full responsibility. We'll get through it and we will get through it together. Listen, that's what I said. I said to another friend of mine, I was like, this was blowing up my group chats yesterday and I told this theory to another friend of mine. Yeah. And she was like, wait, really? And I was like, yeah, first of all, I don't think they're going to split up. And secondly, I really don't think he ever fucked that girl. Oh, boy. But I will say this. Like, men are fucking stupid. (laughs) But also... And I believe we've said this on the on the podcast before. If any man is messaging you in a flirtatious manner and wants to like loop you in to like having this thing with them, if it truly would matter to you whether or not that man is in a relationship or married, that, yeah. or married, Google that man. Google him. Look on his bio, see if it says proud father, see if it says proud husband, love my, you know, like even like a regular, not famous man, you know, but also listen, I'm, I mean, maybe controversial, maybe not. I don't know. I think that flirtation, I don't know if online flirtation is okay. I don't know. I don't know. But I think that like a certain amount, I think Esther Perel would agree with me and she's a relationship expert. I think that people need to flirt with others that outside of their spouses and partners just to feel like a desirable, right? And like- Oh my God, 100%. And the trick is like being in a relationship where that is like 
a space in which like you guys both have that understanding or it works for you in yeah. whatever way it works for you. You're able to like bring it back to your relationship, but like to have some like kind of like flirty thing with a guy at work, at, you know, for a little yeah. bit of time, like you just have to know what your boundaries are. You have to know, well, first of all, you have to know what boundaries are. Period. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to like understand like what is actually like kind of appropriate flirting with people versus when, you're, when it starts to cross a line. Yes. Versus yes. what's crossing a line. And I also think like not necessarily even that like partners need to have, I don't know if partners need to have conversations about flirting with other people. Right. Because I think it's just human nature. Like I think it just happens. I agree with that. I can't imagine being a rock star. Yes. With social media. Yeah. Social media. And also, it's also like kind of the essence of your art is like has like a huge sexual energy. And it's just the way that you talk and create all the time. And the point of it is to like look sexy and cool and to say sexy and cool things. But the thing is, like when it works and someone responds to you, then, you know. It's weird, but all I'm saying is it's Googleable whether Adam Levine has a wife or whatever. And so that just, and I'm not blaming anyone. I'm just saying just Google it so that like you're fully informed. And then maybe you decide like if he doesn't care, I don't care and you're cool with it. But like just, you know, saying that there it was unknowable or whatever, which I have seen people be like, I didn't know at all that this person was married or whatever after the fact. And I'm like, well, that's a weird, that's a weird tactic to take. But um, I just, also, I, by the way, sometimes people don't fucking care. I'm just yeah, going to say That's it. what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah and, just like, and like, I don't but know. That would be hard to say. Um, Martella Kroll posted this like, woman talking at some conference and she's like, I think it's just weird. Like, I feel like these women of this, of a certain generation are like, they're like, we're witches, like we're witches. But like, really it's just cause like they want to like suck dick and not feel guilty about it. Isn't that funny? That's so like, weird. <laughs> I know it was really funny. And at first I was like, what the fuck? But then I was thinking about it and I was like, oh yeah, I feel like there is sort of like in this younger generation, not us, Casey, because obviously we are witches, <laughs> but like in the, in the younger generation, I think there's like, like identifying as other than like Christian or whatever. Yeah. So they're like, yeah. they're like oh yeah, I'm a witch. Like I'm a total witch. But really it's like about not being shamed about sex and like right, desire. Right, right, Do you know and what you I mean? Yeah, and you have to and have And sort of like, like less about actually being An witchy. identity that permits it. Yeah, it's all wild. Do you and know it's, what I'm saying? It, it Maybe is you can all... cut that part out. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's a funny video and people should look at it. I think it's all really complicated, but that's what it is. Like people have to go into things knowing that they're complicated. I personally flirt right in front of my husband like and if I'm having a flirtatious thing with anyone anywhere my husband knows all about it because he's the person that I tell about it we call it mentionitis and my family were like I call oh, it mentionitis you, you got a real no, case we, of mentionitis about wait, this have we person. talked about mentionitis before <laughs> I don't think so because I just brought it up to my friend Will when I saw him why would I why was I saying I was, we were talking about someone else and I was like, oh, 
he had real menchonitis, huh? <laughs> and he was like, what? And I was like, you know, menchonitis. When you mention um, someone constantly until your partner is like, you mm-hmm. got a real bad or case your of friends, Or your friends are like, oh, really? Tell me more about <laughs> Tom from work because I can't get enough of hearing about him. Oh, my gosh. It's so true. It's, it's very so funny. funny. Also, like, to be aware of your own menchonitis is really something because then it's when you know you're like, doing it like you're yes. having a crush or you're like yeah in new work love with yeah. someone you which know? is like a healthy thing but I always look at it like if I were ever to have a situation where I felt the need to hide something from Matt then that's where you know if if I was ever saying something on a DM that I wouldn't feel comfortable with him seeing then I would know that it had like gone a little Well, a little or a lot beyond, whatever. But here's one thing I want to tell everyone. Whether he's famous or not famous, just a guy that you know at work or in your community or online, and he tells you that he's in a loveless relationship and that they're about to break up and that they, you know, that she doesn't understand him or whatever, um, he's lying. (laughs) That he's never, she takes great care of him and he's not really. And they're in love and you're, and you're gonna see pictures of them on vacation together. And then and you're gonna, gonna make you upset. Really and painful. then you're gonna ask him like, what was this? And he'll say like, oh, we're, she, I was trying to work things out and, and she was mean to me that whole trip and a whole story. Um, you know, it, a lot of creativity, but like, this is a thing that dudes have been saying, like someone said this to me in high school, like that he really wanted to date me, but he had had a girlfriend all the years of high school and she was terrible to him and their families wanted them to get married and blah, blah, blah. He brought me flowers before the prom in his tuxedo. And I was just laying out in my friend's driveway sunbathing. He came and dropped flowers for me before he took his horrible icy ice princess four years girlfriend to the prom. And so this is something that I don't know where they get it from. I don't know. But if well, I think they get it from repression and from yeah. toxic masculinity. Yeah. <laughs> but I think they really do get it from repression and from not being able to talk about their feelings or their needs or their yeah. desires or their wants. And hopefully we're all raising a generation of young men, women and people who feel uh, comfortable enough with saying what their needs are and how they're feeling like you're meeting their needs or not meeting their needs. And so you can have healthy relationships and they don't have to pull the same fucking dumbass bullshit that like generations of men have pulled because by the way, it hasn't worked out well for anyone literally ever. Literally no one. No one. And, and then not that you ask for my advice, but if you want my advice, if someone is telling you that, that they're, you know, that they're with somebody, but it's terrible miserable. you're the only person that understands them and that they're planning to leave as soon as they get a chance or whatever. If that is not, if, if that not being true is, um, is like ringing a bell for you and you just want to like know how you're supposed to respond to that, you can say, Like three things, in my opinion. You can say, this doesn't feel true to me. This is something I've heard a lot of times before. So 
I, you know, I just am not believing it. But that takes a lot of courage to say that to someone. The second thing you can say is, great, call me back whenever you are disentangled. You know what I mean? And then we can see how it goes. But I'm not about to put myself in the middle of this because you have a lot going on that you need to work out. So call me back when it's over and um, then we can talk. The third thing you can say is, great, if you guys are in a loveless relationship and um, she doesn't care if you are seeing people and I don't, you know, I don't care or I would love to talk to her. I'd love to meet her. And then we can just like lay out some ground rules. Yeah. You have an open, you got an open situation going on. Great. And I just want to make sure that it's cool with everyone. Oh my God. That would be so ballsy though. (laughs) I I wouldn't be able to do that. You wouldn't be able to? No, probably not. You would too. Well, yeah. I mean, not that third one. No, (laughs) no, not the third one. I would, I would definitely be able to be like, let's, let's chat when you're disentangled. But it's hard. And and the devil works hard, as they say. You know? We well, we know we all we all have our version of the story and we have a version of like what is true and we have our perception and we also have like the version that we're selling to people to sort of get what we want, which goes full circle back to like in a lot of ways people for the most part are out for themselves. And so you have to be out for yourself. And by that, I mean like protect yourself from bullshit and from the same old fucking story that you've heard a thousand times. I just think like, yeah, there needs to be like a whole reframing of the, of the thing though. Right. Like that's the part where I'm like, if you're in a relationship right now, like in a marriage, I think the move says the girl getting divorced, but I, but <laughs> well, I know I would know actually. And by the way, we were t- together for a very long time. Um, and we're still good friends. Anyway, I think the move is like early on. I wish that I had just made communication like more important Yeah, in terms of like what it was that I, actually felt and what I really needed and what I really was missing. Yeah. And then asked the same in response. Right. You know? Right. Like it, it is tough. Like I know that, I mean, that's, that's part of what's so tricky though. Right. Like is the programming is the, is the gendered programming that we all have received. And especially look in some ways I'm not, I'm only going to say this one time out loud publicly. In some ways I do feel bad for men. Okay. Yeah. You know, because I think that the, what has been programmed in them and what has been expected of them for so long has, has trapped many of them. Yes. In a really unhappy way of living. Yeah, a garbage situation. Where they don't feel free to be who they want to be or to be as goofy or silly or emotional or engaged as they want to be. So they just shut the fuck down. Right. And like they they can't access those places after a certain period of time. And that's like 
basically on our society and we have to change how we, you know, relate to and allow men to relate back to us. Back to us. You know? Yeah. They've got a lot of work to do. They've got, oh, they've you know, got so much. But also, I- there's so many parents listening. And I do think like moms and dads, it's like that's where the kids see the stuff. That's where they learn the things. And so right. they need to see dads being vulnerable, emotional, um, you know, empathetic, understanding, present, like all of those things that like, I don't know. I think a lot of men feel like is not for her, not right, for him. Right. They just haven't seen it or learned it. And I think where a lot of, well, I think where a lot of our frustration, like, because, you know, all the times that you've heard women say like, all oh, men are trash. A lot of our frustration is that mm-hmm. men have a lot of work to do. And because of the work that they have to do, they, some, for some reason, like, it's our responsibility to, like, hold hands and lead them through the work, lead them to the work and through the work. And so it's a lot of fucking work, right? Because that's how I've felt. I felt like it's my responsibility to <laughs> to get men to understand that there's work to do and then to, like, be with them and help them proceed through that work. And like, I have to work on myself, you know? So that's right. That gets exhausting too. Cause then you're like, okay, great. Now you're good. And I'm exhausted. Right. And then oftentimes uh I've had so many friends that have like done that, have lived that life with like, you know, we're doing the work, we're doing the work. And then in the end, like they split up and like, some other person ends up being the beneficiary. Listen, listen, (laughs) that bitch is so fucking lucky. Let me tell you something. Boy, do they have a fully evolved human in touch with his self and his emotions and his things and what he's capable of and communicative. And they just get a turnkey situation. Bless. 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 But then it's then it's like if you ever want to get together with someone, then you have to hope that you get someone else's turnkey situation, mm. and not mm. like a fixer, another fixer upper. Maybe you know? she loves a fixer upper. Maybe I'm just. I mean, <laughs> listen, <laughs> you guys. This is all. This is all just fun and games. Um, uh, no, I mean, I think also just with age, yeah, your chances of getting a complete redo yeah a complete remodel is is less and less you know because at least there's some life experience yeah I probably I'm gonna say something I probably wouldn't date someone who hadn't been in at least like a very long-term relationship I don't care if they were like married or whatever oh interesting like if somebody was like my longest relationship was like six months I'd be like okay bye Yeah, that makes sense. You know what else I've wondered a lot? And okay, so women who are like our age, around our age and single now, I'd love to hear from you. 
I've also wondered, because I've seen women our age dating men who are a lot younger. Yeah, I know. I have the, I have the in on this. You have the in on? And I what are wonder- you, What's the question? It, no, I just wonder, like, I look at, like, I raised my sons, and I hope they're good guys and not pulling, like, a lot of the bullshit of, like- But that's what it is. I have friends, all my friends who are, like, in their 40s who are dating yeah. men who are, like, <laughs> a lot younger. Yeah. <laughs> um. They really do say, and I'm not one of them guys. I don't, I don't know that journey <laughs> at all. But like my friends who have, who are on that journey yeah. have said, it's weird. It's like not like dating guys our age. Yeah. They're like really like in touch with their emotions and they're really like forthcoming with what they're capable of and like what they're looking for. And, you know, like the only thing I've heard from a couple literally a couple of my single friends, mom friends in their forties is that the only thing that gets in the way is there is the younger man's desire for children of his own. Oh, okay. Interesting. And like that can be an issue because a lot of times, especially if you're like 40 and you have, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. You know, seventh graders or whatever. Like, it's not like you're, <laughs> you're like, not interested. You're in... not looking to get back into the baby market, you right, know? So right. like there is sort of a limit to where it can go if, if the sensitive guy of the younger generation is like, being a father is incredibly important to me. <laughs> you know, a thing literally right. no man age 40 and over has ever <laughs> said, ever, oh ever, only, God. literally, only in response to like maybe they're drunk and the really hot girlfriend that he wants to have sex with that he's never had sex with. Yes. Yet. Yeah. Is like, but being a parent is really important to me. What about you? Yes. Like that's all being a father is all I think about. Can we have sex now? (laughs) Like that is just a, that's a true fact. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a true fact. It's so funny. I mean, Lincoln has a girlfriend. They are the same age, but I've also often thought, Eli, sorry, that if Eli ever gets married, it'll be to like a woman decades his senior. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's just who like loves him. That's who he vibes with. Oh my God. You know. Wait, sorry. I just was checking in. I just popped up People Mag yeah. to like see if there was any Adam Levine news or whatever. Update. Franzia collaborates with Dog Brand to create a boxed wine Halloween costume for canines. Oh my God. <laughs> this is genius. This Wait. is way more important than what we were talking about. Put all of that out of your mind. One of the best costumes I ever saw. It's a famous <laughs> picture in Emily and my life together was we were at this Halloween party. We were dressed as flappers. Guys, I'm sorry. We couldn't get it together. We, I don't know. You wanted it to was look just cute. A, we you wanted got to, this was, had at the by store. the way, this was because of our, again, our era, our age, this was before slutty costumes were really like the thing. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God my early twenties avoided the slutty costumes <laughs> trap. I'm so grateful for that. But so we were flappers, which is like, yes, you can get, look cute. People can see your faces. We were single. And this really cute guy was a Franzia 
box of wine that he had made himself out of a cardboard box. The costume was fucking amazing. <laughs> I'm going to find the picture. I'll post it. But now I'll there's send one it to for, you. There's one for a dog. Gina's going to have to be a Franzia bottle, a Franzia box of wine. Oh that guy God. just died, Franzia. <gasps> Did he? Yes. He, he just old? passed away. He was old. Okay. He was a, he was, wait, I loved. How many days loved, did his funeral go on for? Um, 17. You know, I was curious. Do you think that JLo and Ben Affleck? <laughs> I don't know. There's something about like how long the funeral was and there how many how weddings, many they, weddings had. they had. Um, yeah. Wait, Fred Franzia, six days ago, creator of the Two Buck Chuck has died. Oh, wow. You know, he did you know he created Two Buck Chuck, I too? I did not know that. Yeah, he's uh, Fred Franzia, the man behind Two Buck Chuck and other value-priced wines that revolutionized the industry has died. He was 79 years old. Um, Yeah, he was the CEO and the head of the company. I'm obsessed with this quote. Who says we're lower priced? We're the best priced. The others, I think, are overpriced. Oh, that's a good quote. <laughs> but I also am now writing a story in my mind where someone pitched him the dog costume idea. And he was like, no, absolutely not. And then the second that he passed away, they were like, green light the dog costume. Oh, my God. No, they wouldn't do that to Fred Franzia. I don't know. Or maybe maybe he wanted it. Maybe he had wanted it so many yes. years. This was his this was his last request. And they were like, we have to put it through this year. It has to happen. Wine industry iconoclast <laughs> is what he's known as. Wow. Fred, you have brought so many people so much joy. Oh my God. So much joy. That two buck Chuck was all we drank, me and Emily, in our early days of life in oh LA. God. And you put wine I in mean, a box. Wait, listen, by by the way, uh, his greatest success may have been acquiring the Charles Shaw name in 1995 for a mere $25,000. What had been a failed Napa Valley winery, he built into a $1.99 a bottle empire, $2.99 outside of California, arguably creating a new market segment for ultra-budget wines and streamlining distribution exclusively through Trader Joe's. Um, I mean, it's like wild. Wow. What a life. Yeah. Where's he had a his, very charitable side. Where's his Baz Luhrmann movie? <laughs> I would watch it. I actually would be so overjoyed by a, by a Fred Franzia biopic. <laughs> by Baz Luhrmann with just sparkling fireworks, lights. I think it would work. I mean, it seems fantastic. <laughs> um, uh, Fred Franzia. Well, well maybe I'll peace. dress my dogs up as as boxed boxes wine. of wine. Yeah, I just think that boxed wine costume that guy was wearing all those years ago. I mean, this must have been two thousand three. Come on, <laughs> he was. It was genius. He was on. He was on trend. He was ahead of the trend. Ahead of the trend. It's a, wow. It was a great costume. What's your best Halloween costume you ever... Rainbow Bright. Rain oh, that was a good one. Yeah, I it was epic. I made like the most incredible Rainbow Bright costume that I think Ray took, stole from me. He stole, <laughs> stole from me? it from you? Well, I, maybe he asked if he could have it. I think I said yes. All right. Um, 
I think I should fucking find out though because it was really genius. I and it's back. Used, I feel like you could wear it again. I could. Fuck. I should get it. I should ask him where it is. It was in this like giant Tupperware container in storage. I kept. I like literally kept it since freshman year of of college. So I, oh, wow. I sewed the whole thing in the yeah. costume department at Loyola Marymount University. Yeah. I went and found like a blue, bright blue dress yeah. that like kind of fit me. Yeah. And then I altered it. And then the easiest thing in the world to sew, I don't know if you know this, are tubes. Tubes. <laughs> I do know this. So I just like got a bunch of pillow stuffing and I sewed a ton of tubes and I put like a, I put a wire hangers through the white tube that was at the bottom of the skirt. Yeah. And like whip stitched it on. So it was like. And I, so I like cut the skirt short and then I made, yeah. And then I had the bottom like great. that. Um, anyway, it was, yeah, truly the best Halloween costume I think of all time. Now, one of the best Later in life was my Aunt Sassy costume right oh, after the yes. first season of The Comeback came oh, out. The Comeback, yes. No one knew who I was, though, and it was, like, very niche. But it was it was niche, and you were comfortable. I was so comfortable. It was great. In high school, I made a Spider-Woman costume. N- not, like, Spider-Man, Spider-Woman, but just, like, a Spider-Lady costume. Mm. And I made it by wearing a black leotard and, like, a black... Um, tool tutu, but then I took black tights and stuffed them and made yes, like great. arms. But then I attached all of the arms so that like when I moved my arms, yeah, all yeah, yeah. the eight arms moved. But um, I wore it to a high school Halloween dance, and uh, I was asked to dance by this boy. He was actually kind of shy, but he had dressed up as. Do you remember like the battery spokesman Jocko? He was no. like the energetic. He used to like be like just yell oi about like batteries no like energizer it was before no. i think it was energizer before I think it was the bunny Ener- i only know the bunny before the bunny so anyway but the costume was all white and like white hair and he, it was jocko that some of you that are a couple years older than busy will remember jocko the battery guy but anyway he was dressed as that and he asked me to dance and so when i put my arms around him oh, no so many arms around him and he had like a white outfit so you could see the black arms and I just remember our history teacher said over like the loudspeaker um you know look the spider's dancing with that man and she's got her hands all over him and I was so embarrassed and I just like wanted to die and wanted it to end but it was a good costume it was a good costume but that is kind of embarrassing it was embarrassing and like not appropriate for a history teacher but I think that he was mostly drunk most of the time because that same history teacher have I ever told you this about like we were having like a basketball game? I was a cheerleader. We were having a raffle of things. And he said, come with me to my class to get all the prizes for the raffle. This already feels scary. And he was like, we can use the elevator. We can use that. It's not nothing bad happened okay. except for we can use the elevator. And so I was carrying something. And one of the prizes was like a big stuffed Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And the way that I had it under my arm, I guess, like it got caught in my skirt or whatever so in the elevator he said to me rudolph has his hand up your skirt and i was like embarrassed already and then he said and he's really horny and i was like oh my god let this absolutely not absolutely not he'd be in jail now if if that if it were well by the way let's just everybody listening right now 
It was a different time. If you're over the age of, I want to say, I'm going to say 40. Let's just call it at 40. If you're over the age of 40, you know a girl or there was a girl who dated one of the teachers in your high school. (laughs) For sure. So true. 100%. In fact, when Full House was in reruns and like came back and was popular again. Yeah. I swear to God, you guys, somebody help me out with this. I was watching it with Birdie. Birdie was like in kindergarten when it, when that happened. So this was like yeah. many years ago when Full House like was rejuvenated on Nick at Night. Yeah. There is like a plot line where DJ is dating a guy who's 19 and she's like 16 or 17 in high school. Yeah. It's not Steve. Guys, we know Steve. Not, yeah. It's not Steve, but she's like going out with some other older guy who's like, yeah. I think he's 19. And like literally no one blinks an eye. It's like totally fine. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That's not like the plot point. The plot point isn't right. that he's 19. The plot point is that he's not Steve. Right. You know? A boy from my middle school married our computer teacher. No, absolutely not. And I, I don't know. I don't know the details, but I know the rumors at the time were that like they had a a special friendship at least when we were in middle school, eighth grade, but they're, they got married. Okay. I'm going to just tell you, I just pulled three of my gratitude cards just for fun, just while we were talking, because I just thought it would be fun to see what they say. Yeah. (laughs) Here are the three that I just pulled. Number one. Oh wait, I can put on my new reading glasses. People who didn't absolutely have to took a serious and benign interest in our education and development. Oh, that's a good one. Interesting. Well, just considering what we were just talking about. The second one I pulled was everyone messes up their life quite a bit. Oh. Also interesting. That's also interesting. And then the third one, and as far as I'm concerned, the most important, we can leave the places we were born and raised. Oh, that's good, too. Grateful for all three of those things. Oh, my gosh. Um, Is our guest here? Yes. He likes sleep. He likes sleep. There are lots of reasons why you might be woken up in the middle of the night. I can think of 47 off the top of my head. That's right all. now. We've talked we've talked about 40 of them already on the podcast. <laughs> We're going to talk about the other seven after this commercial break. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Sometimes it's really just you're sleeping on a mattress. It's like no good for you. It's she's get over a new mattress, that old guys. mattress. Yeah. Just get on a new mattress. And boy, will you sleep as hard as F, no matter (laughs) what's going on in the world. (sighs) (sighs) But here's what I will say. Here's what I will say. Say it. A full night's sleep helps you navigate the insanity of the political landscape and the world that we are being faced with daily. And if you are not sleeping well, you need to change your mattress so that you can sleep well, so that you can wake up well-rested and you can face the day full steam ahead, 
ready to face the challenges in both the political and your personal landscape. And you're like, thank you, Helix. I took a two minute quiz. You found me the perfect mattress. I'm sleeping through the night. I love it so much. Thank you. Think about it. You spend as much time in your bed as you do sometimes sitting at your desk at your job. And would you sit for eight hours at your job with like a busted old chair that was poking you somewhere and the wheels were falling off? No, No, obviously not. No one's doing that, Casey. But people (laughs) forget about mattresses that they have to get new ones and that sometimes you buy the wrong mattress, guys. I'm sorry. Sometimes you just do. Sometimes you do. And everyone is unique. Yeah. And Helix knows that. That's why they have several different mattress models to choose from. I took the Helix quiz. Casey's taken the Helix quiz. They've got soft, medium, firm mattresses. Mattresses great for cooling you down. Mattresses good for heating you up. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) It's awesome. It has won number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. And... I'm telling you, it comes straight to your doorship for free. You don't ever have to go to a mattress store and like lay down in front of some guy. <laughs> it's always some guy. It's always some guy. You have a t- I've never seen a woman working in a mattress store. I'm sorry. I just never have. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. 100 nights risk-free. They're even, they're going to come and pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you're going to love it. Go to helixsleep.com slash best. Take the two-minute sleep quiz. Get matched to the customized mattress that's going to give you the best sleep of your life. I'm telling you, you deserve this. You deserve it. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash best. What? It's a good deal. Up to $200 off all mattresses and two free pillows. Helixsleep.com slash best. Guys, sleep through the night. Get with it. Get on it. Do it. Oh, AG1. It's been a minute since we've talked about you, but it hasn't been a minute since I used you. (laughs) Does that work? Is that a good one? That's the most, like, just... Told the whole Straight story. Straight up. I told yeah. the story. I told, told the story. story. Here, yeah. this is this is AG1. It's athletic greens. It's the it's the it's my green drink of choice. Um, I started taking athletic greens because honestly, they sent it to us. And I'm always like, I want better gut health. I feel like I could have more energy. Um and AG1 has now been like a pretty consistent part of my life for the last like year and a half. Yeah, a couple of years would say. going on now. Yeah. Almost two years. Yeah. I love it. I look forward to my shipments. I love it when I see it in the um, mailroom at Casa Kismet when I see <laughs> other people. No, like other people have gotten it as well, you know? Yeah. yeah. Not because of this podcast, I assume, just because it's fucking great. And you guys yeah. are going to love it too. It's, what is it? Okay. It's like a green drink with one delicious scoop of athletic greens. You're absorbing. It's not just like, you're not just taking, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. It's a special blend of ingredients that supports gut health, nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. Literally all of the things. Everything. It's lifestyle friendly. If you're 
keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free. They're okay. They got you covered. Less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs. It's a small habit that you can do as a part of your daily routine that honestly takes great care of yourself. Um, I actually didn't take my athletic greens this morning and I'm I want to go do it right now. I'm going to do it as soon as we, as soon as I, I'm not kidding. Yeah. I literally was like, I was just thinking about my morning routine and I was like, oh shoot, I didn't do it this morning because yeah. I was running out to that voting event. So I'm going to do it right now. Um, and you don't have to trust us, but you should because we love you and we wouldn't lead you astray. And Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. Yeah. Professional athletes, leading health experts, all agree that Athletic Greens is just, it's a really, really simple way to get a lot of things that you need in your diet just banged out all in one scoop. And right now, it's time. It's time, guys. No more messing around. It's time. It's time to reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. It's the one scoop. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens, and it tastes really good. I'm sorry. I just have to say that one more time. Yes. It tastes really good. It's great. It's great, in fact. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase, which I love because when we travel, just throw them in. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash busy. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash busy to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Um, Okay. Haley Kiyoko is joining us and um, Kaya's. Haley, do you consider yourself a pop star? (laughs) <laughs> what do you we you're like, do I, she's, we do because we do um she's a musician like a, a fucking badass and you're finishing your tour today today i am in today's, seattle yeah today's the last show which is really how exciting. long has it been how long have you been on tour we've been on tour for like i think six weeks um i've been on tour with lauv and i just released my new album panorama so we've been playing some new music and it's my first tour back from the pandemic. So it's been really cool to be back and also traumatizing to be sleeping on, on bunk beds again for my, my lower back issues. Oh no. Um, You're too young to have lower back issues. (laughs) I mean, it's 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 literally, I know it's literally like the most annoying thing when anyone says you're too young to head. You're like, well, I do. I don't know what to tell you. You've also been working. (laughs) I mean, let's be real. You've been working since you were very, very small, right? You're an actress and a singer, but Mm -hmm. You're, you're famous movies? in my house. This is probably annoying to you, but you're famous in my house because oh, my good. young adult sons are huge Scooby-Doo fans. Oh, no way. Awesome. I mean, they're fu- they're fully adult. They can, like, vote and in some cases drink now. But uh-huh. when you played <laughs> Velma in the Scooby-Doo movies, big deal over here. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that was my first, that was my first, like, big break or, like, gig I booked. I was 17 and... I booked Velma and I was so confused because I'm, you know, Asian or half (laughs) Japanese. And I was like, how am I playing Velma? And um, it was just like a really cool experience. 
Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Well, you were very, yeah. you were a very good Velma. Thank you. <laughs> did you, did you like, uh, start off thinking you were going to, you always wanted to do music. Have you always done music or were you thinking that you were an actor and the music thing happened mm-hmm. as a pivot? I, <laughs> as we like to talk about on our show. So to answer your question about the pop star thing, busy, I've always wanted to be a pop star. So that was like Same. my dream. You know, I saw in sync, no strings attached concert, Staples Center, and I saw all these girls screaming at them. And I was like, I want to be on stage. I want to have girls screaming after me. Like, <laughs> this is this is what I want, you know. And so from a very young age was like, okay, how do I get on that stage? Like, how do I become a pop star? And so, you know, learning how to navigate life, I... Uh, started acting because I saw these like cool like JC Penning commercials and these cool like <laughs> Asian girls like hip hop dancing on like aisles and cashier registers and I was like sure I was a dancer at the time and I was like oh I can do that and so that's how I started to to act because I was trying to find like opportunities and creative outlets because to be to wake up one morning and say oh I want to be a pop star to wake up one morning and be like I want to be a musician like how do you even do that and so I don't yeah I don't know like how you know like as an actor (laughs) okay it's as an actor you seek out auditions and you maybe find an agent and you know you 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 look for those opportunities but as a musician it's like you have to create those opportunities find that it's just it's very confusing so I started acting when I was younger because those were the opportunities where I was able to perform. And a lot of my acting jobs and like gigs, like I was in a Kmart commercial rocking out on a bass guitar. And like <laughs> I got to do like cool, you know, I was in a Cinnamon Toast Crunch commercial and I played guitar and that. Like I played a rock star in a lot of these like I was gonna say. acting gigs <laughs> that I would book, you know, and so that was my way of being able to create and um, express myself. And then, but, and then you were in the group with Tanache, right? Yes. Yeah. The Stunners. The Stunners. You opened for Justin Bieber. And Kate, so was it a manufactured, was the Stunners like a manufactured group? Like you guys were, you didn't know each other and you were all put together by a producer or a manager? Uh, it's probably similar like your TV show. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. <laughs> like, I basically lived a smaller version of that. Yeah, I mean, I thought, I think I initially thought it was a TV show. And so I had auditioned for this girl group and then it turned into a real girl group. And then all of a sudden we were opening for Justin Bieber. And uh, that was a very interesting experience for me and uh, learned a lot. And then, and what way, like, what was the most challenging part of that? I think just being exposed to how heteronormative society is and the music industry is, and just like being a closeted lesbian in that group, it was very challenging You're, for me yeah. to navigate where I could belong in the mm-hmm. music industry because I was very much like here's five hot girls and sing your songs and we're going to give you attention to the to the hot straight looking ones and Mm -hmm. you know present femme and like that's where obviously a lot of my struggles with my femininity and masculinity came into play um and so it was really hard honestly hard yeah especially because you were really young 
I mean, I was, yeah, I think I was like 19. How old are you now? 31. You're 31 now? Mm hmm. Yeah. I'm an adult. You are, you are, you are an adult. You're an adult. I I still do. I think those like those, those teen years, like you're still figuring out even 19, like you're still figuring out. Yeah. Who you are, who you want to be. And especially like if you're doing it in the public sphere, I can imagine Mm -hmm. it would be really, it could be really painful to be, I don't know, to be, to be sort of like forced to feel like if you want to be successful in your chosen Mm -hmm. field that you have to hide a part of who you are. Yeah, I think for me and my journey, everyone's journey is different, but I knew I was gay since I was five. And so I think for me, my journey was very much like this. I know who I am and how do I hide that from everyone? And how do I know who I am and how do I navigate chasing my dreams and what society is telling me is right and wrong? And so I think like being in a girl group, which you have some experience with, (laughs) Um, uh, but being in a girl group was really vulnerable for me Mm -hmm. because it was very much like if you attract men, you succeed. And that was not something that I, I, that was something I really struggled with just like growing up and um, navigating, you know, like not being invited to prom or like not getting asked out. And like, I didn't want to be with a guy, but I still wanted to be like asked out, you know, like I still sure, wanted that like yeah. attention and validation. And so you get confused by that. But yeah, so that was a really interesting journey for me. And I left that experience going, okay, that's not what I want to do. And I want to be in the music industry, but where is there space for me to be? And is that possible in the pop climate Right at that time? I, I mean, say. at that time, I don't know if it, I mean, did you, what did you, there weren't you any like <laughs> out lesbian pop stars. No, so, like, right. I mean, now it's like to me was yeah. like, oh, how do I do this? Like, I'm never going to tell people I'm gay. Like I'm going to have to have my, like in my fifties coming out moment, like that's going to be my trajectory, you know? Yeah. And And I mean, this is literally like, we're talking like 2008, like, you know, it's not like, it's not like we're talking about like the seventies or whatever. Like you're in 2008, you're like, okay, well I want to do this thing. So, Mm -hmm. and now, I mean, I have to say it is just so fucking different. Like, I think about King Princess and Lil Nas X, and I feel like there's, like, a lot in pop music especially, too, acceptance and embracing of queer culture. And Now. Now, currently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. currently. So, so what how was did, the moment yeah. that sort of, like, you you hooked into, like, the idea that, like, oh, maybe I can do this in the way and be completely myself? Um... Well, I, I, I was kind of like the pivotal shift for me was like, I found a manager and I, you know, I was like really working on my, you know, solo music and career. And in 2015, I had like $5,000 left. And I was just like, at that time in the music industry, like to like pop off, you either had to be like a really good cover singer on YouTube Right. Or you had to have one of your songs like remixed and you would spend your money on like DJs remixing your songs. Right. So I have $5,000 and I'm like, okay, do I spend this on a remix that no one's going to listen to? 
or do I direct the music video of my dreams? And at the time, I didn't even say direct. I was like, do I just make the music video of my dreams? And, um, and so I decided to do that. And that ended up being Girls Like Girls, which is one of the most pivotal moments in my career. Um, and we, we did that music video, and it was a game changer because I it was my first time singing with, you know, female pronouns. And uh, it was a moment where my community found me. And it was crazy because I released that video in 2015 in June. And then I think like a couple days later, same-sex marriage was legalized. Wow. And so it was this wee crazy ripple effect of things. And then at the time, I only had like 9,000 subscribers on YouTube. And so, you know, the views would be pretty low. And no one would premiere the music video, mind you, because it was right. two girls falling in love, ending in hope. And everyone said it was risque. And so because, you know, being a lesbian is so risque. <laughs> and, uh, and so I released it and then it just went, it went viral. And I got signed to a label after like a couple months later and um, I was celebrated from, from being who I am. And I was like, wow, this is, this is different. <laughs> that <laughs> must have new. been a really good feeling, just something that you created yeah. entirely yourself that reflected who you were and that you risked your own money and and mm -hmm. you know, just bet on yourself. I was gonna about to say she you bet on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, as women in this industry, you have to. Like, and I couldn't I was so grateful, you know, I, I couldn't even afford directors that I wanted. And so I called a friend that I went to school with, Austin, and he was a DP and we co-directed the video together and I was like, I know what I wanna do and I just I need help. And so we did it together. And from that video on, I've directed every single music video since then. Because, you know, directors, they take 10 to 15% of the budget. And when you have $5,000, that's a lot. It takes <laughs> right? too much. It's you too know, much. like, you can't afford that. And so everything in my career has kind of stemmed from, like, necessity and, like, having to just step up and just, like, do it myself. I mean, like, growing up, I didn't even have a band. Like, I really wanted to be in a band. Like, I wanted to be, like, art, like, yeah, yeah, yeahs or, like, Coldplay. And no one would even, I would put up band flyers in the park and no one would call my number to join the band <laughs> or even audition. Rude. And so, like, my life was, like, being a solo artist. And that right. kind of led me to, obviously, where I am now. That's incredible. <laughs> well, Busy's going to be like, oh, here she goes. But I am a huge Prince fan. And obviously, like, I know you and I know you since you were a young person acting and have been so pleased with your musical journey. But as I was like reading in detail in preparation for you coming, so much of what you've done reminds me of how Prince did things and how, you know, he he did everything himself, too, mm -hmm. and including like directing his own work, um, probably more out of ego than budget. But if we're being honest, <laughs> but, but also just like writing his own music, performing every yeah. part of it and like getting the word out, but only ever doing things the way that he wanted and needed them to be done. You remind me so much of him in the way that he did things. And that is the highest praise from me. Yeah, that's <laughs> truly the, the best compliment I've ever received in my life. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. 
Yeah, um, I mean, I do think that like as women in any industry, but especially, you know, like one of the things is that in the entertainment industry mm-hmm. so frequently, like they don't have the space for you. You're mm-hmm. a unique artist, a unique person, right? So you have to like, I guess, actually carve the space out mm-hmm. for yourself, which is what you did, which is rad. Thanks. I wonder like how supportive have your parents been of you th- throughout your life, like in all of these endeavors? Um, well, I mean, I grew up in Los Angeles, California, so um, one would think it would be easy, but it's no matter what, like society, even if you have like a good support system, like society will continue to tell you that you're wrong or that you don't belong here. And so I was really navigating that. Um, but I came out to my parents when I was young and obviously they were like, it's a phase. And I was like, it's not a phase. And I'm going to say, I'm going to take the word obviously (laughs) away because I I don't want the, I don't want the parents listening to say uh, like, because that's fucking bullshit. Like I, know I hate it, it. I hate it when parents when I hear I that from people. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, it was that was just in their reaction because yeah, that was their <laughs> reaction. And um, but I, thank you for clarifying that because it that is true. I would love for people for that to not be an obvious reaction. But um, but yeah. So you know, they said it was a phase, and then it was not a phase. And uh, I think they became more supportive of me when they realized that the world was more supportive. Like when they saw that I was being celebrated literally in 2015 for who I, who I am and like loving women and like celebrating that, I think that they started to celebrate that as well. And I think yeah. it's really fascinating and interesting because uh, I've obviously had a lot of conversations with people and their journeys and experiences, but a lot of parents they end up being, you know, their first bullies, like thinking that they're protecting them, being like, people are not going to be okay with this. Like, we have Mm -hmm. to protect you. And then as soon as they realize, oh, like, you're actually safe, like you're good. I don't know. It's, it's, there's, there's some switch, but it shouldn't be like that. But, uh, my parents are obviously very supportive now and, um, we're very open and, you know, my dad's, can't take off a Kyoko hat. He has this 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 one merch <laughs> merch hat. I bought him so many new hats with my name on it, and he just refuses to take. It's this he one just one hat, the, and it, it has his funk on and, it. Yeah, just just <laughs> rugged, and he's just always just you know. So he's like you know my number one fan. So they've been amazing, but it's just been interesting because seeing the world support me really helped them celebrate me. I'm so happy to hear that they're very supportive of you now. I know your parents love you, especially like, isn't your dad also like obsessed with one of your songs that you wrote when you were a little kid? Yeah, Notice. I wrote this song Notice when I was like seven. It's a love story. I had never been in love and he (laughs) continues to, I mean, weekly will email me being like, I think you should really sing Notice Acoustic at your concert. (laughs) And I'm like, dad, I'm never releasing this song. It's not happening. Please Wait, stop I have an emailing idea. me. I have an idea. <laughs> what? How How old is your dad right now? He's 73. Okay. I was going to say maybe for a big birth, I was going to say 70th, <laughs> but maybe for like 75 or 80. I perform it. 
You do it. For him. Just at his party. Just no for him. No audience. No, you could do it. I would say you do it at a show. I would say for his, but it has yeah. to be, the t- we if need the timing to line up. He needs the show. He needs, no, he needs <laughs> of all, course. all the attention. Yeah. Yeah. I understand this. I have parents yeah. too. Um, yeah. It, but I think you do like for a big birthday one time, it'll line up. Maybe it, maybe it's not even a big birthday. I feel like you'll be performing a concert one year on his birthday. And yeah. that's the moment when notice okay. makes it onto the set list. You'll well, I'm like- devastated that this has been um, become a, a commitment because he's definitely <laughs> listening to this podcast. <laughs> You heard it here, Dad. You so heard thanks, it. So thanks, Busy. Really appreciate it. I just you. think I think All it would be so do. cute. Thank you People so much. People would love it. Although you, you know, would. it is that thing. Uh, you know, Birdie is a huge fan. My my fourteen year old uh, loves you via Taylor. Found you. Oh, awesome! Through nice. Taylor Swift. Yeah. You guys are like friends. Are you guys like friends? You know, last name needed. I love that you said Taylor. I knew exactly you you were talking about. We all know. We're not Taylor. It's just Taylor Taylor. Hicks. We're not talking about Taylor. Oh my God. I was about to be my, I was about to be my mom and say to you, maybe you should open her, her concert. You should like be the opening act on her next tour. (laughs) Sorry. That'd be good for you. You'll be there. Well, I was no. just going to say that's self-serving for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah because <laughs> I'm going to be there. Anything that you need on this okay. podcast, I will commit to. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Whatever you we need. Love, we love yeah. Taylor in our household. Um, yes. I'm curious, like, because she is definitely, I mean, there's like Beyonce is the queen and like Taylor is like. Also the queen. Also the yeah. queen. Well, there's yeah. different countries, right? Guys, there's different countries. They reign. They reign supreme in different <laughs> yes, places. Very true. Okay, so I, I just like I literally was about to say Taylor's the queen, but I was like, well, I can't say that because of Beyonce. Like my in my head, I was like, and also Rihanna. Like I can't. Yeah, they're all guys, listening to this podcast, so we have to keep that, it. Yeah, you know what, Haley? Neutral. You, know, you know what? We never know. This could be you the never week. know. This I'm could being be the serious. week. <laughs> But okay, but so Taylor, Taylor is the queen. And how does your, how did she reach out? Have you performed? Was she a fan? Like, how does this happen? Uh, How does this happen? I'm just curious. I, yeah, I don't know. Like I was on tour with Panic at the Disco at the time and I wanted to send her flowers because um, she was being very supportive and just publicly very supportive of me. And then her team was like, hey, Taylor is performing at the Gillette Stadium in Boston. She would love for you to perform Curious, your song Curious with her. Are you available? And I had one day off and it was that day. Whoa. Oh my God. And I was like, are you kidding me? And so I literally on my day off on that tour met up with her met her for the very first time in the stadium, literally watched her pick out the fireworks in pyro for the night. Wow. So God. kind. She learned my, so I, I dance, obviously, in my music yeah. videos, I love to dance. So I have this choreography to Curious for this music video I directed. And she learned the choreography and had all of her dancers do my choreography. And we performed Curious for 70,000 people that night. And it was insane. It was the, it was the, 
the craziest, most amazing thing I've ever experienced. And I think I wore these D squared pants that weighed at least a hundred pounds because I wanted to wear like crystals and stuff. Yes. Um, but I've never been so nervous in my life. Truly. It was the craziest three and a half minutes of my life. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, what did it physically feel like? Yeah, did, did you, you like feel like you were going like, to see spots or? I think the, when you're at that level and you're performing for stadiums, the the magnitude of the size, you just can't even, you can't even take it in because it's just so massive. Like it's just an abyss of so many people. And it was just it was honestly the coolest experience I'll probably ever have, honestly. And she's was so supportive of my music and still is. And um, I'm very grateful because honestly, as an artist and a musician, like uh, collaborations and support, you know, is not every day. And so right. to have someone be an ally and to be supportive and say, hey, let me give you an opportunity to grow or let me cheer you on like yeah and expose you to like my yeah. massive massive audience oh my gosh yeah then we'll find your music and be into it too that is yeah. really was, amazing that's it was amazing. really cool it was really, awesome. really cool and then you got to be in one of her videos as well the you need to calm down yeah. video yeah yeah, yeah. which yeah. That, yeah. Been that was really an iconic it's video. such an iconic video and it's was it fun yeah it was so fun it was uh um, yeah, I, I, I shot a bow and arrow and I honestly was only on set for a couple of hours, but the magnitude of the set as well, just like, was just, I mean, <laughs> it was like this massive feature film for this music video. It was crazy. Did you ask I her, like, <laughs> did you ask her if you could direct it? <laughs> no, I didn't. She had a great director, <laughs> but, uh, maybe next time in the future. You were like, I can do we'll it for like $5,000, Taylor. Yeah. Listen, by the way, want to send anyone home? I can. Do I'm it not for kidding. <laughs> Shoot your shot. That new <laughs> album is coming out. Midnight's is coming out. Shoot your I shot. I mean, she's been directing this her is, own videos now. I know that's very exciting for her. I've been. We talked about that too because I I let her know. I was like, you should just. She was like, I want to direct. I was like, you should. Like, that's you know, why not? You you you're calling all the shots. You know what you want. Like, just do it. That's so. amazing. And you had, I, I mean, I'm so impressed that that you've been directing all of your stuff all along. Is that hard to like add on to your list of to-dos as like the person creating the music and performing it? Mm -hmm. Is that hard? Yeah, it's not ideal. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like too much work. And every time I go into a video, I'm like, I'm not going to direct this. And I'm like, I have to. I was like, I love directing. Uh it's, it's just a lot. And I think like, um, in a dream world back in the day, I would have loved to just sit back, but looking back on my career and what I've like, I wouldn't want it any other way. Like I love creating, I love telling queer narratives and stories. And my goal eventually is to direct features and TV. And so like, this is, this is an unexpected part of my journey that is honestly one of my biggest passions is that's amazing. Stories. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that's Olivia Wilde started directing music videos. You know that, right, Case? Yeah. Some of the best yeah. directors come from music videos. So yeah. It's, oh it's my God, good, Spike Jones. It's good practice, you know? Yeah, you got so no budget, you got no time, and you got to get, get in shot. there. Yeah. yeah. 
And you have to be creative. You have to, and you have to tell a story in two and a half, three minutes, you know, with no dialogue. It is, it is such a talent and such, yeah. And such a, yeah, it's such a gift. But I also think for an artist like you, like you want to make sure that you're not, your vision isn't taken by someone else and turned into something that you aren't on board for. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Totally. Because it so easily can be taken away from you always. Yeah. And but I think not if you're directing. No. And I think that for some artists, it's it's great. Collaboration is amazing, you know, to be able to take your art and give it to someone else and have someone else bring it into another world. And so that can be really magical. And for my journey, it's been, you know, writing music, seeing the story or writing the song and then telling a completely different story within the video, you know, months later and being challenged by losing a location or, uh, you know, not getting the shot and having to re-edit, like that challenge of telling that story after writing the song and that whole journey from beginning, middle to end. And then to go on tour and be on stage and seeing people singing the lyrics, knowing that they've experienced the visual element as well, is really just like, it's a really cool, cool thing. Uh, I'm so glad you're getting to have that whole experience. You've already told us about a million pivots that you've had in your career, (laughs) but also you had like a really serious injury. You were telling us a little bit about, about it before we started recording, but that was also kind of like a pivotal moment. Yeah, I've... I honestly want a sweatshirt that says pivot because I feel like my life has been pivot. Like, we're going to make just, you that sweatshirt, Haley. It, we're going mm-hmm. to get our merch team on it. That is all I've it. ever done, truly. It's like, oh, no here, no here. Okay, I'm going to go this way. You know, that's honestly been my journey. But, yeah, I had a really bad concussion um, at my obstacle course birthday party. Oh, my gosh. And, what ha- um, Can you describe the accident? What happened? You know, it was very simple. It was, it's called a three-legged race. Oh, my God. And, uh, my partner and I were not communicating properly. Oh, and no. I fell and hit my, the left side of my head and then um, didn't realize I had a concussion. And then the next day I went to Disneyland, uh, California Adventure, and went on the roller coaster multiple times. So I double concussed myself. Oh, my God. Oh, um, my God. And then, um, and then I was dealing with post-concussion syndrome, which is a real thing for almost four years. And so it was really brutal. And I'm a very, like, fast-paced, like, get it done, like, let's go. And so if you can imagine dealing with post-concussion syndrome, there's a lot of cognitive loss and issues. So, like, I want to be able to understand what you were saying to me. Mm-hmm. Um, being Like, looking at a grocery store, if you say... I need arugula, me looking at lettuce, not being able to differentiate which one is arugula to everything else. And so um, I dealt with a lot of cognitive issues and challenges. And like the one thing that helped was not working. And this all happened right when I was about to release my first album. And so like the cure was to not think. And I was in the heat of my career of needing to think, needing to perform, needing to show up. And um, it was really, really, really hard. 
to say the least. And uh, it's challenging too because it's your head. And so like when you, when people look at you, they think you're fine. And so it's like, also, it's not like I'm in a big cast, you know, but mentally I was losing it, you know? And so I was dealing with depression and anxiety and all of these, you know, post-concussion syndrome effects. If you look them up, it's, it's, it's rough. And also too, you go to doctors and they're like, well, we don't know when you're going to heal, but you're going to heal eventually. And so you go to these doctors and you're like, great. So is that in a month? Is that two months? Is that six months? For for me, it was four years. And um, it, yeah, it was a really uh, challenging thing. Did you have to do like physical therapy or like therapy stuff? Was there... How yeah, I went to I went to the UCLA concussion clinic, which was really hard to get into. And I got into it like six months after. And um, but a lot of it is also just like managing chronic pain. So like chronic migraines, like chronic, just like throbbing pain. And so obviously navigating medication and um, therapy and just just honestly just trying to navigate a lot of different things while being on stage and having lights flashing in front of you. (laughs) Oh gosh. I'm so, I mean, I'm so sorry. It's okay. It was, you know, it was, I don't think it was meant to happen. I think that that's what was hard for me to kind of like navigate the grief of like it was an accident. Um, but I did learn a lot of tools. Like I, from that went to therapy from that learned that I need to take it easy. And at that time I literally could only do one thing a day. So it was like, if I had to go to the grocery store, I could do one thing and that's it. That was my activity for the day. And so it taught me a lot of patience. It taught me to take it easy. It taught me to really prioritize my health. Um, and I think it really allowed more balance in my life being on tour now and and being recovered and um, navigating health issues in the past, I feel like I show up for myself better. I feel like mm. I take care of myself better. Um, and so even though it was an accident, I did learn a lot from it. Yeah, I would say it's really interesting too because I think that especially in what you do, and I only know this from documentaries that I've watched. <laughs> but I feel like I feel like especially like young artists are just sort of like pushed to just keep going and going and going and pushing through it and pushing through their injuries and pushing through. I mean, you see, like I watched the Lady Gaga one and I watched the yeah. Billie Eilish. I really one. relate to Lady Gaga's documentary. A yeah. Percent. Did you watch yeah. Billie Eilish's too? No, I haven't seen it, but I heard it was amazing. It's amazing. You should watch it. But like, she also, she's young, younger Mm -hmm. than us, obviously younger than you, Mm -hmm. but she was in like injuring herself as well. And like, Mm -hmm. it just, there was nothing in place to like, for her to self advocate to be like, oh, Mm -hmm. actually no. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's really hard. Um, as a musician and I, you know, I'm not at that level in my career, but even at the level that I am at, like, there is no rule book, you know, like an athlete, you're training, right? And you have a coach and here's all the steps to be the best right. and to show up for yourself. And you have medical, you have all these things. As a musician, you write music, you go on tour, you have no idea how to take care of yourself. Right. You have no idea how to do a show every single night. You have no idea how to navigate your, your well-being, your food, your everything. I mean, your mental right. health 
And so you're really just thrown into it. And that's why it takes so long for a lot of artists to recover from album cycles because it's really shitty. And I would love to start a support group or system or app or whatever, because like so many artists are on tour and we're all in it alone. Like we're all like, okay, where's the best places to eat? Or like, oh, there's a great acupuncture place here. Oh, like we're having to figure this out in every single city all over the world. And also learning to show up for yourselves and and when to kind of say, hey, I, I need a moment, you know, I need to, I need a break. And like, it's, it's really hard for so many people. And it's unfortunate that there isn't like a better system set up to kind of like prep you to not crash and burn. No, maybe that's um, a business for you and I busy, like tour moms. Like maybe (laughs) I can go on tour with you You and just be like, she's tired guys. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, just bless, you know, like I I think that, Right. But like it's the problem is systemic. Right. Because it's like especially for younger musicians who are just starting out Mm -hmm. or supporting musical acts like a lot of times they're just breaking even on tours. They're not even making money. So they're not it's not Coldplay. You're you know, they're like we can count the bands on two hands that are able to like travel and tour in a way that is like conducive to their health. It's why Mm -hmm. I think like. For I know that people have feelings one way or another, but I think that the residency idea that Harry Styles has been doing at like Madison Square Garden and he's going to go do. Do you know about this, Haley? Yeah, well, and also to like artists performing at like Las Vegas, yeah. having people come to. Yeah, them. exactly. It's like a much more sustainable situation. But like even for opening acts on like the Harry mm-hmm. Styles tour, it's so much easier for like a New York based. Mm-hmm smaller band much smaller Mm -hmm. dev hines like Mm -hmm. of blood orange to open for harry styles for these dates because Mm -hmm. he doesn't have to like pay for all of the stuff i think people don't understand that artists like Mm -hmm. pay for all of it right i'm glad you brought that up honestly because no one really talks about it and i don't think i've really ever talked about it but it's you don't i've I've maybe broken even maybe once or twice. Like as an as a touring artist, especially when you're opening for a band, you're just losing money because obviously it's an incredible opportunity. And so these these artists, unfortunately, you bust your butt and you break your body to do this and then you come home and you're in the hole. And so, and then you're hoping that maybe someone will stream the music. The podcast got really dark about reality of being an artist, but... <laughs> That's just the truth, you know, it like it no, is an I amazing think people, life and you get to perform, to but it is really hard. Like you get off the road and you're like, great, like you don't make money from streaming. The only way you make money is from tour selling merch. merch. I've been very yeah. grateful that my fans wear my merch and support me with my merch. You you make money on merch and VIP meet and greets, and that's it. And especially when you're opening for an artist um on tour it's really challenging to to kind of break even. And so it's it's hard out there. You know, I've been doing it for a long time and I continue to do it and I'll do it for the rest of my life, but it's not easy. And right. um, there's so many artists and people don't really talk about it because you just go, oh, well, they're, they sold out. You know, my first album, I sold out all, all my tours and we barely broke even. Wow. <laughs> I think it's I'm good for people to money. know. 
we talk <laughs> a lot too. about yeah. about fair, you know, supporting yeah. artists and like paying people fairly for what they and I I think that you know we have this expectation a little bit of like, well I just I stream the music or whatever like people mm-hmm. don't buy music as much as they used to and but it's just mm-hmm. good to know like it's good to know where your food comes from Th- same thing yeah. with your art you know it's it's mm-hmm. really good to know where it comes from and the circumstances under which it was created and like mm-hmm. how you have to support it if you love it and you want it to continue because you know I that also- is the truth. I'm friends with a lot of musicians, like on a similar level as you. And I didn't realize that if you got one of those opening spots for a huge artist, Mm -hmm. that like that artist's thing wasn't paying for you to come. Oh, no, you're paying to be there. Yeah, I didn't fucking know that. I think that a lot of people are like, ooh, look at that cool, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, that's so great. They're bringing them on tour. It's like, no, no, no. Mm -hmm. That artist is probably like putting money out Mm -hmm. to go on that tour, which is just like that blew my mind when I found that out. I had no idea. Um, And I think it is important for people to know I'm like a big believer in buying music and band camp and like supporting artists and buying merch and like all kinds, like it's just, there are different ways now that artists don't get paid this, uh, musical artists don't get paid the same way um, that they used to, and the money is just not because of, you know, mm-hmm. the business of streaming and mm-hmm. whatever. It's all been sort of spirited away. <laughs> yeah. But so, but so you have to like support artists that you love in other ways. Mm-hmm. You have to support them by buying their merch, by like supporting their mm-hmm. band. Do you do band camp days or like any of that stuff or not really? No, I haven't, but I probably should, huh? <laughs> You probably should. Like, it's just like, you know what? You could just do a recording of your dad's favorite song and put it on Bandcamp. <gasps> An exclusive. An exclusive. And then She's you're charging. And then you're charging. <laughs> and then charge. Haley's Listen, like, gotta go. Haley, Haley, $5.99 <laughs> if you want to listen to the fucking song, $5.99. I'm going to get an email from Busy next week being like, you need to release this song with my dad, like, cc on the email. Wait, Haley, what if you found out that this whole time, this whole thing was set up by your dad? By your dad. For me to get you to sing that song. Whatsoever. I would not be surprised whatsoever. I feel like y'all would get along real well. We'll have to bring it on next time. I can't wait. No, I do too. Well, I mean, yeah, I just think, I think like showing up and supporting artists you love in all the different ways that it, Mm -hmm. that it matters. And like, let's be real. Like you need to have money to survive, man. Like you can't, you can't just like. It's really interesting. Like, and being real with everyone too. It's like, you know, I direct my music videos, but uh, labels don't pay for music videos right now because no. we again going back to the issue it's like artists don't make money and unless you're the top one percent yeah you're not bringing it in and so even for me as a director I've felt very kind of like not trapped but just kind of like um, confused with where that's going to go because I've always made videos out of nothing. But at, at a certain point, it's like, okay, well, where do you go from here if it's just going to get so worse? I'm telling you know? You that I and so, you and everyone's to... experiencing that. Right. You know? Yeah. I do think you need to reach out to Taylor and just be like, <laughs> I'd love to direct one of the videos on your new album. If you're down <laughs> for it, I would be, if yeah. you have a vision, I'd love to help realize it. I want, 
I Weird want if it that. Happens, if it happens, I will thank you for putting it, <laughs> manifesting it. We're at putting the MTV it out there. Video Casey awards. and Busy would love to see one of Taylor's upcoming videos directed yes. by Haley. That would make yeah, me too. A hundred percent. I would love that. I feel like the fans would love that too. So I do too. I, this I is what I'm saying. So we have too. to give the people what they want. I they're, know. They're You're right. begging for it. They really We're are. We're hungry. We're starving for the collab we need. Yeah. <laughs> we need more. We need more Haley and Tay. We need yeah. Tay and you Tay. You need Hay and Tay. Hay and Tay. <laughs> That's what we need. That's what we need. Your creative visions together are going to be unparalleled. Um, I really do. I really do think. I don't know. I sometimes I'm like you know I'm a little witchy. I'm kind of psychic. I really do feel like there's something to that. I really think you're going to direct one of Taylor's videos. You're going to get you. that fucking ten million dollar, fifteen million dollar budget, and you're going to be like. <laughs> Uh, Dreams I'm come taking five percent of this. <laughs> <laughs> That's my salary, and I'm going to Sweet Greens and treating myself. Yes, <laughs> and it'll take the whole thing. <laughs> um, well, it's been such a delight to talk to you. Enjoy your last show, and then you get to go home and rest. And then, are you? What are you? What are you doing next for Panorama, the album? to support yes. it are you going out again or do, what do you do how does that work I'm I'm planning a headlining tour um and so I'll be announcing that soon so definitely look out for that right. which is very exciting I haven't done a headlining tour in years and then uh yeah I'm just getting home and gonna maybe try to do a video <laughs> we'll see what happens then you're gonna um, email Taylor <laughs> and I'm gonna email Taylor and I'm gonna email my dad and I'm gonna email you okay. so lots of emails it's, are going out sounds great Sounds great. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's so I exciting. really, I loved hanging out with y'all. You're amazing. And um, yeah. I'm a big fan and really appreciate everything that you do. And um, yeah, thanks for supporting me too and having me on this podcast. This of was course. A great Thank hang. Thank Listen. you for making time for us, yeah, everybody. I appreciate it. Get Panorama. Panorama. Yes, it's out now. Also, buy my get merch. It. Buy, <laughs> buy, buy merch. Haley's merch. Also, get the album two times. Get it for yourself and get it for someone you know that will love it. I forced Birdie to buy vinyl now. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm a crazy person, Haley, in case you can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> Birdie I has it on vinyl. Wow. Well, Great. Yeah, we we need it all. We need it all. Well, thank you guys so much. I had a blast and going to do my show tonight and I'll see y'all soon. Have a great show. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Haley. Haley's a delight. Haley's so delightful. Delightful is a perfect, perfect word. Yeah. Yeah. She's, um... She's like a dynamo, like all of the stuff that she does. I mean, I'm always in awe of people that are like, I'm doing everything. I'm doing it all. Me too, because I would do less if I could. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like, I'm ready to do less. You're ready not, to do less? I'm not interested in doing more at this point. <laughs> and I want to do get it. much, much less. I get it. Well, um, um yeah. I I know that you are on tenterhooks waiting to see if Harry Styles tickets come to you. They haven't. It hasn't happened yet. Hasn't happened. I don't know what's going to happen. What else I'm is going? Oh, we didn't, we didn't even talk about what we're doing our best at. What are you doing your best at? 
Um, what am I doing my best? Uh, staying calm. Staying calm. Yeah, I'm doing my best at staying calm, I think, right now. And not becoming hysterical. Wait, was I hysterical earlier? No. I don't I don't think you got hysterical earlier about anything. I've been okay. I just like it's just been a very overwhelming time, I would think. I would yeah. say. I would yeah. say it's a very overwhelming time. And I just feel like I I just feel like I've been trying to keep calm and carry on. <laughs> keep calm. <laughs> Appropriate. I'm really trying yeah. to stay calm. I've been trying to stay calm. Yeah. Like I I that might be what I'm doing my best at too, because I like I have a lot of things going on that mm-hmm. are just like I'm have been nervous about them. But I'm just like, what am I nervous about? Like, it, like it's not productive to be nervous about it. Like, my nervousness doesn't contribute to the success or unsuccess of anything that's about to happen. So I might as well just try to remain as calm as possible. You know? Yeah. What am I going to yeah. get fired from nothing? No, you're not. <laughs> you're not. And, and also think- the political situation. So I went to this like really interesting lunch yesterday for Dahlia Lithwick. You know who oh, she yeah. is? Yes. She's a writer from Slate and she was a lawyer and she's like a, you know, like an analyst and like she's super, super interesting. Um, and she wrote a book called Lady Justice. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh you know, she's, I, people are like, she's like a brilliant legal mind. It's like, she's incredible. Um, she's on, she has a podcast on Slate about the rulings like that have been happening. Like she's very, she's able to explain things to people in just a very, um, I want to say easy, but yeah, like easy to understand way. Right. You know what I mean? And without like it ever feeling like she thinks you're an idiot. <laughs> um, oh but anyway, God. so it was a super interesting luncheon because there were so many people there that were like incredibly powerful sort of in that space, you know, like in the journalistic space, like Jody Cantor was there, but also in the philanthropic space, but also like from the ACLU and also like the woman who was the lawyer that, um, you know, went down and prosecuted the Nazis in Charlottesville. Like all of right. these things are like right. really important and really interesting. And like when you're looking at how you move forward and like what the work is, um, like she definitely is one of, you know, the people that's like, it's got to be a multi-pronged approach. Right. And like, I don't know. For me, it's just so, it's so hard because the thing that you and I have such ability to do is, is, you know, the storytelling part, right? The hearts and minds and the like information in that regard. And, and it's hard sometimes because I'm like, I, I, I get myself worked up because I'm like, we need to do more. Right. We need to do more. I need to do more. And so, and I've been feeling that way, you know, and then it's like the, obviously like 
the hurricane right. happening, you know, and like the war is still happening and, you know, then the migrant crisis and like, and I, it does get to a point where, yeah, like I, I feel like it's easy to get overwhelmed and feel like um, you're not doing enough. You should be doing more. So I'm trying to really just stay the course and stay calm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that really makes sense. And well, obviously you could, you could do things all day long. Every moment of every day, you could do whatever it was that like came into your mind to do without ever taking a break. And it still wouldn't be enough, you know? So I think, you know, the the whole like put the oxygen mask on yourself first, what, you know, you do have to in order to continue fighting the good fight. And it is, you know, our favorite phrase, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Like this life really is a marathon, not a sprint. And it's gonna be ongoing that we have to ongoing take care of each other, assist each other in disaster, fight for each other's rights. And, you know, that is ongoing and you do have to take care of yourself um, in order to continue to work for good every day. And because we know like when your body is just flooded with those hormones of like, despair and rage and anger and frustration and anxiety. Like it just can't even function. You know, you just can't even physically function. You can't mentally function. And like the entire fucking world has been traumatized. Our country has has been traumatized. Yeah, And some people certainly more than others, but I think almost everybody has not emerged from this unscathed Mm -hmm. in any way. And so we do have to like, you know, you do have to move forward while also dragging this trauma and trying to like address the trauma. You know, a lot of what we were talking to Haley about, about like working injured, um, you know, and and how you just keep pushing yourself because you're trying to achieve this thing that is very demanding. Um, all of us, I think, like in our lives have a list of things that are very demanding and we're pushing ourselves and we're working injured. And so, you know, I, we're working I don't know. Injured. What, I think that's like really, I think that's right. I think we need to remember that. Like I, I try, I've been trying to, like, I've been yeah. trying to, that's why I'm like, I'm trying to stay calm. Yeah. I talked to my therapist for the first time today in a long time. Cause I had to take a break cause of money. And I know guys, you've heard me be like, if you have extra money, spend it on this. But right. guess what? I, I didn't, I didn't have extra money to spend on my therapist because TBH, I didn't. And she got it. And like, also I've, seen her for so long that I felt like I had a lot of skills that I was using, you know, Yeah. in this difficult time. But I talked to her today and she was like, I feel like you're really, you really are like doing it a pretty, you know, you're solid, you're solidly recognizing these things, these moments and, and trying to just kind of move through it because there's nothing else really you can do right now. Right. That's it. Right. Like, (laughs) 
Sometimes it feels good. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it feels good to get whipped up and spun up and cranked up about what someone else is doing. I like I, I there's something about it. That's why people like sports. You know, it feels good to like cheer when you win and to rage when you lose. Um, I don't like sports, but I'm not going to lie. There's something that sometimes feels good about that. But I just have to keep reminding myself that like me, like calling someone like a fucking asshole on Twitter or whatever, it doesn't do anything to like move the ball down the field toward what it is. Like, guess what? Lauren Boebert knows she's an asshole. It's no secret to her. And she does not give a fuck if I call her that. And she doesn't care. Also like everyone being like, yeah, you tell her whatever, whatever to me. Those people also aren't doing anything to move the ball down the field. So that's what I just have to like. Sometimes it feels good to like, you know, but it's also like it reminds me of like when you like lose a tooth and you can't keep your tongue out of your tooth hole or whatever, you know, like what is it about that that like you just can't stop doing it. And when you finally get control of it and you stop doing it, you just feel much better and much more sane. And so that's what I just have to keep reminding myself that like, you know, my incandescent rage, which is there, it exists, but it's not doing anything to change anything. And so how much of that energy can I well, take back and channel into changing right. things? That's what I was going to say. I think that there is an important piece of like staying engaged. And sometimes that means staying enraged. Mm-hmm. Should we put that in our t-shirt? Stay engaged. Stay enraged. Stay enraged. But you can't let it become all of your personality. Yeah. Or all of your life. And I guess I like have been, you know, I really have to say, don't worry, darling, really allowed me. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Don't worry, darling. Remember when you said it about the funny girl drama? And I was, I was like, not there yet. I was like, first of all, it wasn't like my, that's not Broadway, like gossip drama wasn't really like, that wasn't my that version wasn't of your a thing. Milieu. Yeah. But I have to say the like, don't worry, darling, Venice Film Festival situation really allowed me for the first time since the Dobbs decision. I'm not kidding. I'm really <laughs> not kidding to like truly for like many minutes at a time, lose myself in a totally ridiculous entertainment bullshit thing and like laugh about it with friends of mine. Right. Like I haven't had that. Yeah. Like even like truly, like literally I'm like at the Phoebe Bridgers show and I'm like overcome with like girls screaming and then I like break down and like sob for 15 minutes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I haven't been able to really enjoy anything, (laughs) anything other, you know, like really allow myself to like, uh, to even just like be word up in the, in the frothiness of the like, inconsequential drama low stakes things. yeah low stakes like you know there's been tons of it in the last many months there has been i'm sure there's been lots of different things but that one that just people you know there have been different main characters on the the internet and yeah pe- stories that 
flare up and all that to people commenting on things. And I just haven't, haven't been able to like do it. And literally <laughs> the don't worry, darling Venice press tour changed it all for me. Really just changed it all for me. Spoke to you, flipped mm-hmm. that switch in you where you could just. Yeah. And I think that it like allowed me like to, I don't know. I think that there's, it's a fine, like Harry, like Harry Styles himself would say. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fine line. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a fine line. And like, I feel like the overwhelm and the grief and all of the things from the last several years and the trauma that we've all endured and what so many people are still enduring and it can allow you to just completely shut the fuck down, you know? And I was kind of there, like doing that a little bit. Yeah. And I don't know, I've just been having some like real Oprah aha moments recently where I'm like, I don't, it doesn't do anyone any good for me to live like that. It doesn't do my kids any good. Right. You know, it doesn't do me any good. Right. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like no one would certainly ever accuse you of sticking your head in the sand and ignoring things. But again, talking about the way people have been throughout human history, like there has always been war. There has always been brutal treatment of people who didn't deserve to be treated brutally. And even those people made art and fell in love and mm-hmm. cooked delicious food and laughed and sang. And that's because like you literally need those things. You literally need those things because we're all here for like a finite time on earth. And like, you know, what do we have? Like 60 years more tops, you know, of time on this earth. And in the end, you want to have fucked this place up less than you helped this place. You know, you want the scale to tip in the direction of like, I gave more than I took, you know, um, but life is what happens at the same time, simultaneous. And like going back to like the very beginning of everything, everything like a bitch contains multitudes. And that is it's just weirdly like how we have to live. We have to like live and laugh and cry in the face of all of these things that we're trying to fucking fix. Um, And it's hard. It's like the ultimate balancing act, but it's a balancing act. And so when you feel yourself getting out of balance, right. Then I guess you have to like have a hard talk with yourself and be like, what am I doing? here? What am I accomplishing for anyone? I also just like, I said this to my therapist and it's like, I think very true. Like for everything, for all of the things, right? Like I had this realization last week. I'm like, or two weeks ago, I guess. I'm like, oh my God. Well, by the way, also, I think even though there's going to be new strains and like, you know, but 
there's boosters and all kinds of things. You know, more or less like the world is kind of like, hey, yeah, we're open for business. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And that's the, this is the first time since we moved here in New York that that's been the case. Yeah. I still like don't have any friends, like really, like a lot of friends that I can like really call on. I mean, I do have friends. I totally do. And for me to keep saying that I don't have friends is kind of rude to the friends that I have. But um, (laughs) I do have friends and also rude to Mark because Mark's like, I really don't have friends busy. And that's fucking annoying (laughs) to me that you keep saying that you don't have friends. We got to set him up on some some play dates. I've tried. I swear I tried. I thought I tried. It's hard. Who wants to set, like who, like what pitch is like, you should really hang out with my (laughs) ex-husband. Like that's my, you know what I mean? It's never worked on me. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) I don't think it's going to be like the thing that people are going to be like, Ooh, yeah. Like, I think he's got to make his own friends. Yeah. But, um, but I had the realization like, like a week or two ago where I was like, I get to live, I get to live in New York right now. Right. You know what I mean? Like I, and I just was looking back on all these times in my life that I've had these experiences that I've like been fucking miserable in or whatever. And then I've looked back on it and been like, bitch, what are you, what, what are you doing? Yeah. Oh, it's so miserable to be in Wilmington, North Carolina, because you're 21 and you miss your boyfriend. And like I said to my therapist today on the phone, I'm like, I don't want to be the girl who's like missing her boyfriend back home. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I don't want to look back on this time in New York with my kids where I'm like, oh yeah, I like was so depressed because I wasn't like in the place that I used to live. What? Like, it's so, I know it seems like so stupid. Like it seems so obvious, obviously, obviously right. it right. seems so obvious. And yet it's been fucking hard for me to figure out a way to make it make sense to like put the puzzle pieces together. And I went and saw Kate Berlant's show. Yeah. I got to see Alex Edelman's show a couple weeks ago. I think I told you that. Yeah. I, don't know if I told, talked about it on the podcast. It's really good. If you get to see it, you should see it. Um, because it's like kind of moving around now. It's not in New York anymore. I went to see one of our favorite babysitters who hasn't babysat for us for a year because she's been doing her own working on her writing stuff, had a play produced and I went and saw the play and it was like fucking great. Amazing. And like so, I don't know, like kind of like inspiring in so many ways, you know, like let's put up a play. Like, you know, like it's like this small theater company and I just loved it. It was great. Um, And just like trying to walk around and experience this place. Like I'm so fucking lucky. I get, I also have been seeing like a ton of tourists because it's like the most beautiful time of year in right. New York. And I guess I also had that realization where it's like people come from all over the world to see this city and I'm just living here now. Yeah. Like I get to live here. And so I'm trying to you know, I've like reframed that in my brain in the last many days. And I do think it's like definitely helped. Like I I think I've definitely like turned a bit of a corner. I love that for you. Yeah. Cause also it's like, Millie is not that great. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) 
The only way she can be happy is by putting something else down. No, I'm kidding. I no, but I just like, but I literally was like, I don't want to be the girl that goes like on the, you know, amazing vacation and spends the whole time on the phone with her boyfriend from back home. Right, right. Like I don't want to miss it all, you know? And like, yeah. and I don't want to miss it all like in all the ways. Like I don't want to miss this experience of like, fucking getting to like schlep my shit around and I'm constantly sweating. And I've learned that like, I have to carry handkerchiefs, guys. That's who I am. Handkerchiefs. I know. I, by the way, motherfucker needs to send me some. Colin Hanks. Hanks. Colin Hanks. He's actually, I'm going to see him soon, but he, I should tell him he needs to bring me some fucking handkerchiefs. Anyway, <laughs> but like, yeah, like I, oh, that's a thing. Yeah, I have to carry a, hank, a handkerchief around uh, because I'm going to spend the first 10 minutes of any place I arrive if I have walked there just stopping the sweat from pouring <laughs> out of my, or every part of my pores, every yeah. pore on my body. You know, like I just, I don't know. I got a really bad blister the other day wearing like cute shoes out in the world and I was like, that shows me, like, back to the sneakers, I guess. Right. Yeah. But I don't know. It's, yeah. I'm just trying to, like, I want to enjoy it more. I don't want to look back and think, God, I was such a miserable cunt. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I do know. I do know. And I think it's something that, well, I certainly can identify with, and I'm sure a lot of people can, where you're just like, you know, and by the way, missing the boyfriend back home, it's never, I don't think, it's hardly ever about the boyfriend. You know what I mean? It's about like a million other things, like your feelings that you assign to something when you're unhappy in a thing. And so I'm so happy that you've like, you know, arrived right, at this Right, but place. you know what? You know what? It is actually, I think it's my one year Hoffman, I think, almost. Oh. I should look. I think it is. But part of what that realization is, is like something from Hoffman, which is that I'm in control. Right. Of these things. Like I can choose how I react to things. If I'm getting what I need from people, if I'm not, you know, if I'm looking for friends, like I can call people up. There are people around. Right. You know, like... I, I just have to, you know, I've been spending time with Birdie and like really just putting my fucking, this is hard for me guys. And I'm sorry to admit that this is hard for me, but really just like fucking putting my phone face down in another room and just like sitting with Birdie and watching the crown or listening to Birdie explain again, the theories about one direction and like I'm like I mean you guys I know so much at this point about the conspiracy theories of one direction like I can't I'm an ex I'm actually an expert I could do like I should do like a college course like a dissertation yeah this could this is what I could get my master's in yes this is what birdie should get their master's in to be yeah. honest like like pop culture like pop culture like theories <laughs> I don't know, something. I know they're out there. Yeah, I, I think that's so great. It is really hard, but it's also like feels so good 
to put your phone down. Does it not feel good for you? I love it. Yeah, I love it. No, I like it. Okay, good. I was just like thinking like, it is hard though. Why is it hard? It's so stupid. It's hard. Because it's like legitimately, Lisa Ling, our friend who was a guest on the podcast a while ago, just posted something on her Instagram about how addictive phone use and social media use is and how it like changes the chemicals of your brain. So it's like basically taking a whole bunch of like pills that you don't know what they are probably. I don't know. I'm not a I mean, brain. I'm also doing that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a brain scientist, but I'm just saying like, obviously it's addictive. I We've talked about this before. I pick my phone up when I'm uncomfortable. When like when a show gets too tense or when a situation gets too tense, I pick my phone up and start to scroll. So clearly I'm doing it to like alleviate some discomfort that I'm feeling. So and then there are other times when, you know, I'm having a hard time shutting my phone and I'm like, you know, I've had friends and I have texted them and be like, sorry to bother you. And they're like, no, you just like interrupted like this TikTok hole that I was in for an hour. And oh, I'm like, God. why are grown people on TikTok for an hour? But we are. Yeah. Well, not me because I'm not allowed to have it. But yeah. <laughs> That's so good. But I mean, like, I'm not even really on TikTok. I don't use it. But somehow I watch an hour of TikTok videos a day. And then I try to fucking tell people that I'm sorry I didn't do something I said I was going to do. I didn't have time. I ran out of time. That's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually, it's so funny. I was just thinking the other day, like, I want to, I've been thinking about like what my second book is going to be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I want to write a book called, there's not one lie in this book. <laughs> and like, every time I write something that's a lie, I, or whatever whatever kind of lie it is I have to then like make a note and go back and say like that was a lie actually okay (laughs) here's the the truth of the matter is this oh my gosh you know what I mean like wouldn't that be interesting yes yes because it's like well what we were just talking about with like the Adam Levine thing like everybody has their version of what they're trying to sell and then there's like the truth which you'll never get because it's there's so much perception and you know we all manipulate the truth sometimes we all manipulate the truth except for well I'm not going to say my husband never lied but Sometimes it's really hard to get him to manipulate the truth when it would just be the easiest thing and he just won't go along with it. And it's very frustrating. Wait, that's good. It is good. But like, like one time our accountant almost kicked us out of his office because he was like trying to be so precise about everything that the accountant was trying to estimate. And Matt just like had to go over every detail and you know, Lincoln's like that too. But I think it's out of fear of like going to prison forever for things that you would never get sent to prison for. But if that's where their honesty comes from, good for them. They're both very, very honest people. Lincoln's so scared of like accidentally downloading something that's not legal. Birdie's kind of a, Birdie's kind of a scared. Birdie's kind of afraid of that too. <laughs> it's, I guess we've, this is what we've done to our kids, but he's well, like, you know. I'm glad. I'm yeah, glad that they're I'm afraid glad. of that. I'm glad. And I mean, truth, truth be told, people have gone to jail for downloading things that 
they weren't supposed to. So I guess it's good to watch out for, but it is kind of cute <laughs> when he's like, Lincoln asks me at least once a week, is this ethically okay? Like that, uh, that, you know, I'm looking at this online or whatever. And I'm no, like, that's so cute. sweet. It's sweet. Adorable. But anyway, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you feel like you've turned a corner. Thank you. Me too. Let's That's talk good. again next week and we'll see. <laughs> well, next week will be <laughs> after I, our first live show. We'll have lots to talk about. And like, I think the plan is, although nothing has gone to plan with this thing. So who knows? But um, I think the plan is to use the show in Toronto as part of our podcast next week. So um, that is it. Yeah, we'll see if that happens. We'll see if that happens. (laughs) But um, yeah, I don't. I mean, don't don't plan on it, guys. Like we don't know. We don't don't know. know. I don't know what's gonna happen. All I know is that you need to make sure that you're registered to vote because now we're 48 days out. Guys, just make sure you're registered to vote. That's oh, all. and also go on Brave Gowns because we have a new T-shirt that Aaron, who designs our merch, um, designed, and we really love it and think it's so cute and it's very apropos. I'll post it on Instagram today so you guys can see it. But um, yeah, it's the discussions about it were <laughs> <laughs> literally. I'm gonna. We'll have to talk about that next week. We'll you talk know, about that. You'll next know week. when you see it. But yeah, a lot of discussions mm-hmm. about the details, shapes. 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 <laughs> I still don't think it's fluffy enough, but that's okay. <laughs> I need it to be fluffy. Um, all right, you guys. We love you. Bye. Oh, no.